Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Coppola Connections, where I'm shaking every branch of the Coppola family tree to answer the fateful question, are they the greatest film family of all time? Last week, we looked at David Shire's contribution to Saturday Night Fever. This week, we've got not one, but two Coppola family members with Jason Schwartzman and Roman Coppola and their work on Wes Anderson's 2012 film Moonrise Kingdom. To help me shake this branch of the Coppola family tree, I'll be joined by Jeanette Bear of the always fantastic Sudden Double Deep podcast. Earlier this year, I had the absolute pleasure of being a guest on said podcast. And in lieu of any bonus Patreon material this week, head on over and listen to that episode where we discussed three Nicolas Cage films with man in the title. So that is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, The Wicker Man and Mandy. Get it? Once you're done with that episode, make sure you delve into the back catalogue that Sudden Double Deep have to offer. I can assure you, it's an amazing podcast. If you haven't seen this film, beware. Me and Jeanette leave no stone unturned when looking for answers in this film. We go into spoilerific detail. So be sure to check the show notes to find out if and where this film is streaming. So make sure you've packed up your portable record player, your favourite books, and you've run away with your favourite khaki scout as we make some Coppola connections. In 2012, whilst Jason Schwartzman's older brother, John, was the cinematographer on The Amazing Spider-Man, and his cousin, Nicolas Cage, released both Stolen and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, Jason popped up in a film co-written by his cousin, Roman Coppola, that film is the focus of today's episode. Both Jason and Roman's fourth time working with director Wes Anderson, we're going to be talking about coming-of-age comedy, Moonrise Kingdom. To join me to take a trip to New Penzance as we join the search party to look for these runaway teens and hopefully find some couple of connections is one-third of yours and my favourite triple bill linked by a word in the film title podcast, Sudden Double Deep, Jeanette Bear. <laughs> Firstly, what kind of bird are you? What kind of what? 
bird are you? What kind of bird am I? That's that's a very specific question. Like 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 as a a woman, like a bird, like or no, as, it, as, it, as, it, as in the question that Sam uh, Sadowski first asked Susan Bishop when when he meets her is what kind, what of, kind of bird, bird are, you? are you? Um, yeah, because she's a raven, isn't she? And and like because the other girl's like I'm a sparrow, and she's a and he's like no you like yeah. right in the middle. Um, yeah, she's she's a. Uh, no, she's a rook. She's not a raven. She's a rook. Um, no, she's a raven. Oh, she's she is a raven. a raven. Oh, I got it she right. Gets, she gets downgraded to a blue jay because she has a fight with the, like, <laughs> uh, the teacher, which is a brilliant, like, yes. on kind of fifth watch this time, <laughs> something I picked up on. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what, kind of, what kind of bird am I? I think I'm probably, like, oh, I'm probably one of those, like, um, maybe a starling. Like, yeah, something, yeah, something like a general common or garden, you know, British garden bird, I think. Amazing. Well, yeah, <laughs> sorry to spring that weird question on you. And more importantly, how are you doing? Jill? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I'm currently, so like this is being recorded, obviously like in the podcast universe when you're recording is never when it comes <laughs> out. Um, so yeah, currently it's the first week of the schools going back and I work in a school. So like it's. A bit manic, but apart from that, like I'm all good. I'm very well. How about yourself? Yeah, I, I'm amazing, thank you. I'm just kind good. of uh, squirreling away, doing what I've got to do. I'm pretty much living uh, a life like Captain Sharp, quite like a kind of uh, uh, nomadic, uh, somewhat <laughs> lonely existence. But like, yeah, there's a little bit of sadness, but mainly, mainly, I'm, I'm quite chipper. I'm getting on uh, with my day. Good. Uh, yeah. Thank you, first of most, for joining me for the first double Coppola connection film so obviously yeah. we don't just have Jason Schwartzman in this it's co-written by his cousin Roman um when did you first become aware of the Coppola family as a thing so uh I think I kind of well the the, the one that everybody always talks about so when you're just getting into films and like I you know I've always loved films ever since I was a kid but I never kind of um you know I I wasn't um really I wouldn't have called myself a film enthusiast until I kind of hit my 20s uh, and then I really started to hit my stride and I really got interested in films and kind of reading film magazines and kind of talking to people about movies and um I think obviously the one that everybody talks about first is The Godfather, you know, so everybody kind of talks about how amazing The Godfather is. It's such a mm -hmm. classic Godfather. Godfather blah, blah, blah. It's one of the biggest films ever made. Blah, 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 blah. And um, and I I didn't get around to seeing that until I was around 23 or 24. And I, I kind of sat down with my boyfriend at the time and I was just like I was expecting to be blown away. <laughs> I was expecting my head to be blown clean off my shoulders. And I was so bored. I was so bored and and like <laughs> I just I am I'm probably the only person in the world who doesn't like the godfather um but yeah I I I, I it's just I don't it's not I don't like it man <laughs> like it's it, well I've got a bigger confession because <gasps> it, I'm man. 29 years old correction I am actually 30 years old I've never seen. <gasps> I've never seen any. Amazing. Like, uh, properly, <laughs> I think I've like I've, I've I've seen the first one maybe like when I was way too young. So like right, you know I mean? like yeah, wouldn't have, wouldn't have appreciated it anyway. Yeah, like, yeah. 
Because it's a lot of like dark room and men talking. Oh yeah, like, tons of that, man. Like a whole I... ton of guys talking in rooms and yeah, just being very serious in suits. Mm -hmm. That's that's yeah. kind of it for a lot of the movie. Um, and yeah, I just I was really expecting it to be intense and dramatic <laughs> and like and really kind of you know gut punch me. And I just yeah, I think I think you have to be of a certain mindset when you watch these films. Um, and, and then I was just like, you know, oh, maybe I wasn't in the right frame of mind. Maybe I was, uh, maybe I wasn't in the right place. Maybe I wasn't appreciative of it enough. You know, maybe I need mm -hmm. to reappraise it. Um, so when I met, um, Daryl, the man who is my, my <laughs> husband and co-host on my podcast, um, I kind of said, you know, I don't really care for the Godfather. And he was like, oh, okay. And I was like, maybe I need to rewatch it. And he was like, yeah, okay. He was like, well, let's sit down and rewatch it. And we sat there for all eight weeks of The Godfather because it is a, an incredibly long film <laughs> and um and I just turned around to him at the end and I was like nah not for me not for me um so I think you know after obviously you see you see The Godfather for the first time and, and kind of you know people start talking to you about who mm -hmm. Coppola is um then you get yeah you kind of you it, it's fascinating how this family tree kind of unfurls and you kind of, you you know, when you sort of look at the family tree and, and how much they've accomplished. I mean, they are Hollywood royalty. They've got this yeah. huge dynasty of filmmakers and actors and uh, and things like that. So, yeah, it, I think he was, I think, yeah, I was definitely aware of him kind of. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I didn't really understand him as an as a as a director, as a filmmaker until I was in when my... did you first uh, sorry when did you first like become aware of like that they were a like a, a oh. film family like, oh okay as well um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like... I think um probably when uh probably like when Lost in Translation came out because mm -hmm. yeah it was um because people talked about Sophia being in The Godfather 3 Mm -hmm. um you know and how much everybody hates it you know which again is like totally subjective um and how bad she is in it which i have i have heard many people say actually no it's it's not her it's the film um <laughs> <laughs> and she was kind of drafted in at the last minute because it was like a you know um anyway so but yeah when lost in translation came out and and you know it's sophia coppola and obviously that's a very distinctive name so you're kind of like mm -hmm. oh you know of the coppolas and people go yes um and yeah i you know obviously that's a lovely film and you kind of yeah you um you just start digging i think and kind of i was mm -hmm. an avid reader of uh empire magazine so like you know you yeah you the, all these articles and things and you just yeah you just start picking up bits and pieces and kind of knitting together this this family tree um this dynasty of of the coppolas 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 tomato tomato i i think it is coppola like from, but I, I keep saying Coppola just because it, eh, it's you know unless one yeah. of them's going to come on here and tell you different <laughs> I don't think it matters um you know and do please do if you're listening then you should <laughs> um but yeah you kind of you know I I because yeah I thought oh maybe he's just got the one daughter uh you know maybe it's just the one Coppola 
And then you find out that Nicolas Cage is a Coppola. You find out that Talia Shire is a Coppola. You find out that, you know, all of these people, like, yeah, Schwartzman's a Coppola. Um, and you're just kind of like, you sneaky motherfuckers, you're all fucking yeah. Coppolas. Like, why don't you just come out and say you're fucking Coppolas? Because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's obviously, I think it's a, a lot to do with, you know, they don't want it to be seen as nepotism. They want to stand on their own two feet and be artists in their own right, um, which I understand. I think that's fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, they are but, all sneaky motherfuckers, man. Ninja Coppolas. They all say that. They all, you always get that impression that they change their name for like they don't want to be accused of nepotism. Yet they all like do it. Yeah, do you know what I mean, like, <laughs> like, so, like they'll always put their hands up and be like, "Yeah, I'm one." Like they're all just quite happy to admit it. Like just like, "Yeah, yeah, well, I'm I'm part of the family." Yeah, Talia Shire like will be like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll take the role of Connie Corleone in The Godfather." Why or not? Yeah, Nicolas Cage will like <laughs> his second film ever. It's like. Please, please, Uncle, like, can, I, <laughs> can I be in Rumblefish? And, and like, yeah, and there's all these kind of like links and kind of looking at them, kind of see that like, um, yeah, Roman Coppola and Francis Ford Coppola are like producers on a lot of Sophia's films and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, you're all kind of like feeding into the same thing. And I, I find like this, especially the relationship between Roman and Jason, mm -hmm. like very interesting because uh, those two, along with the director Peter Whites created the show, and Alex Timbers, uh, yeah, created the show Mozart in the Jungle. Which is I've like, heard of that. I haven't seen any of it myself. A, a, yeah, a, fa a fantastic show. But then it's like this thing of like, I don't know. It like so you got those guys, and then they kind of like. I don't, Roman has this weird connection with Spike Jones as well, and then there's like. Well, wasn't wasn't Sophia married to Spike Jones? Married, Jones? yeah, 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 for like three, like four years. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. There's all that kind of weird thing, and then there's yeah, probably one of I don't know the the relationships I kind of like that both Roman and Jason are kind of like together involved in mm -hmm. is this uh, kind of Wes Anderson extended universe yes. family that he's going on. It's kind of like magpieing all these creatives and actors and kind of yeah like uh collaborating partners that he's developed so w which like i know on sudden double deep at the time you had only seen moonrise kingdom fantastic mr fox isle of dogs mm -hmm. and grand budapest hotel have yes. you seen any more wes anderson films since then um i have i've seen um Jason Schwartzman's first film where he was the, um oh Rushmore. yes Rushmore so I've seen Rushmore now um but yeah it's it's kind of the the thing about Sudden Double Deep which is you know it it's uh we we're a podcast with um episodes twice a week and you know mm -hmm. and, and a Patreon and stuff it's not actually you don't get much time to watch films just for fun <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the time you're mostly watching films for the podcast so like you've got this huge list of of must watch films and kind of stuff that you want to delve into a bit more um but yeah until I take like a, a year off from podcasting <laughs> like a sabbatical uh yeah unfortunately I, I don't get a chance to watch a lot of stuff that I really want to watch um but yeah I did enjoy it it was really really good um, so yeah, it, it's kind of, um, Wes Anderson is just, I, I prefer like his more whimsical stuff, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that one is kind of, um, and as well, like I always have a bit of a problem with 
um, relationships where one of them is much, much younger. Like I just, they, they just kind of make me a little uncomfortable and it's mm -hmm. kind of just like, yeah, this is funny, but at the same time, like he's supposed to be playing a child and that's like a woman in her, like, do you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, yeah it's, he's like, well, a, yeah, yeah. he's it's a, a teenager. Boy yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I, I appreciate it. It's very funny and he's great in it. Um, but yeah, it's just like, ah, oh, stop making this, like, stop making this story. <laughs> it's just, it's not cool, man. Um, so yeah, I definitely, it, and I think because that was his first film, obviously, like he really hadn't hit his stride, like, mm -hmm. um, it, with his artistic style, like how he likes to present his movies. Cause obviously now if you say Wes Anderson, everybody thinks of the color palettes and the, yeah. the sense of humor and the kind of, you know, the, the kind of the one liners, um, and yeah, very much about the imagery of it. Um, a lot more than they do instantly the you know the drama i think that's yes. yeah people people think much more of the image of it first and then the the drama of it second so what would have been like the uh yeah what would have been the first jason schwartzman film you would have seen like oh ever? Like, that's a good one or? that's a good <laughs> one i you know what he's one of those actors that you're always very aware of i mean his filmography is massive he's made a lot of films I think he's got like of the Coppolas, like even including Nicolas Cage, has probably got like the most screen time. Yeah. Even though he hasn't been like, because it's not just the fact that like he's like just in loads of films mm. and stuff like that. It's like he still manages to squeeze in like <laughs> being like a regular on like a TV show. So like, yeah, yeah. He created Mozart in the Jungle, but then like pops up like he's kind of got like he's like a side character in it and then obviously he did three seasons of bored to death and it's like yeah he's definitely racked up the most screen he works very hard like he's <laughs> he's always doing something um yeah i mean we just uh watched fargo the the new uh -huh. series of fargo where he was amazing um and yeah he's he's one of those characters where like i definitely don't buy him as a mob boss he's just not Bless, bless him he's just not he's not built for that like he's just he was really good in it but i like the way he's kind of weaselly and he's like he's, mm -hmm. he's you know not your typical mod boss type um i think yeah he's always kind of been in the in the background um periphery. yeah and i've kind of never really kind of i don't know when i first saw him but i definitely think that one of the first times i would have seen him and gone oh that's interesting um was uh scott pilgrim Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, he is the 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 evil ex, isn't he? He's he's the biggest evil ex of them all. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, I think I think he was really, really good in that because he is really funny. Like he's he's a very funny man. He's got perfect comic timing. Um Well, we'll get into like how good his comic timing <laughs> and kind of how scene stealing he can Absolutely. be. I I think Scott Pilgrim as well, like he definitely does leave a mark on that film. Yeah. Kind of, like, because around that time, like, yeah, it would have been like 2009, 2010, kind of would have been that thing of like, he hadn't been in much, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, he kind of had that weird thing. He did Rushmore and then, and then went like, went and like, yeah, drummed in Phantom Planet for ages <laughs> and then kind of didn't really do anything for a while and kind of like never really had any like aspirations to be an actor. But I, I mean... think it's that thing of like, you, I don't know, you imagine like a couple of family like dinner and they'll be like, Jason, 
when are you getting when, when, when are you gonna be on the screen and he's like i just want to play drums yeah i like, i mean oh. you know if you are a coppola like you can i think you've earned the right to take some time out do you know what i mean yeah. like i think uh, you know and i don't think you're in any rush to actually make any serious decisions about what you're going to do with the rest of your life you're a coppola i think you can chill the fuck out and take some I, time yeah. on that decision like take take a gap year fuck it take five gap years <laughs> just you know because because yeah i think you know it's I think it's it's kind of <laughs> it's very traditionally Italian, isn't it, to to take care of your family and to kind of make sure that they're always working, make sure they're taken care of, and make sure they're all okay. I think it's more of that kind of thing of just like oh, so oh you're you're so my nephew, like my nephew. Oh, okay, so he needs a thing to do. Okay, I'm just gonna stick him in this. Like we'll just we'll see how he gets on. If he does good in that, we'll stick him in something else. And I think it's just, it kind of obviously just went from there, you know? Yeah, I don't think any of, any of it's out, out of, like, kind of, like, malice and stuff. Because, like... No, I don't think just, it's bad-natured at all. Yeah, just it's just fascinating. Because, obviously, like, it, when you dig deeper into the kind of Coppola family and that kind of, like, look into Zoe trope, like, the studio that Francis mm-hmm. Coppola set up, kind of like wanted like just this band of misfits outside of Hollywood doing his own thing and like it is all about family so like on on the set of like Apocalypse Now like Mm -hmm. he took his kids with him I mean like (laughs) that was like so like yeah and Sophia Coppola said like she really enjoyed aspects of film she enjoyed like makeup like kind Mm -hmm. of like yeah film makeup she kind of enjoyed fashion yeah and like set design and stuff like that and like kind of had all these interests and then it was like the thing of i think it was the virgin suicides Mm. was her favorite book and then found out that was going to be made into a film and then went well i need to like let (laughs) let me have a go at writing a script yeah Uh, and then it's like this thing of like oh well that encompasses all the things i really enjoy right and that's probably like the thing that's probably why a lot of people level at her that a lot of her films are very style over substance especially something like Marie Antoinette um Um, I I like Marie Antoinette I think it's it's really like I think it's um it's so unique Mm -hmm. and I think I'd I'd rather I'd much rather see uh, a really unique swing and a miss do you know what I mean then you know I'd rather see something really stylized and imaginative and creative like that I'd rather see that than just you know another churned out sequel of something you know that everybody loves doing the same yeah. thing and doing nostalgia bait and everything else so yeah I I thought it was a really interesting interesting movie um and I love Kirsten Dunst anyway who doesn't love Kirsten Dunst like she just she's she never does a bad a bad job at anything yeah so yeah, so you know it's just I, I kind of dig it. I think it's cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's very strange. I, I always wonder like what's what's like if they've got a big occasion, if it's like what's Christmas at the Coppola's like? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like well, th- I, f- I think they own like this kind of vineyard in Napa Valley. So I well, I imagine oh, well yeah, because like... you have the, the wine, you have the Coppola yep. wine. So yeah, obviously, like, do they go to the vineyard? Are they all there? Is there a big table with all the Coppola's around it and they're all? chilling out and, and eating and drinking <laughs> their wine like what happens it's mad yeah i i imagine like i kind of imagine this kind of like wedding setup where they kind of have like disparate tables as well <laughs> so they might have like the head table is like the oscar winners like so like francis nick Sophia yeah sat there and then they have like the nominees table you kind of got like 
Roman just sat there going like, well, I nearly won an Oscar <laughs> for Moonrise Kingdom. Like, you were just nominated. Get back to Not your table. Not good enough. Get yeah, back yeah, to your yeah. table. Yeah, yeah exactly. Again, there's a fa- there's fascinating stories, and I think like the kids were kind of destined to be in, and yeah, all of them, like Jason included. Um, both Francis Ford Coppola and Sophia have retold this story of how summer they were kind of like given the task to like write like one act plays. Oh wow! Like by Francis Ford Coppola, <laughs> like come on, like, and he kind of had like a kind of like theatre space essentially at their Napa Valley. Uh, as you like, do, yeah. But like, you you guys kind of like take a take a couple of days, you, you write your one-act play, and then Saturday night we're going to perform them. Wow. And it's like, like, and that's <laughs> the thing, like there, there is that thing that he could be like seen as very much like pushy like dance mum. Like, <laughs> yes. In, in the way he's got, <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like so- Sophia, especially like you mentioned the, the Godfather part three, and it is that kind of thing of like, it's like, get like, get in this film like, yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah. To, like, do you, like do you want to do what you want to do well it was like, she was only in there because the actress who was supposed to play out. yeah yeah that actress actually <laughs> pulled out and he had no choice basically yeah. he was just like i need an actress now you're mm-hmm. about the right age like and i, I just imagine us yeah sort of kicking and screaming onto set just like no dad no i don't want to do this i'm not ready and he's kind of going good i know um so i think yeah i don't i don't <laughs> think any of this is her fault particularly on godfather 3 um, and again, like, it's so subjective. Like, I've got mm-hmm. friends and, and people that I respect their opinion greatly who are just like, yeah, actually, on a reappraisal, it's not that bad. I just think that people kind of got annoyed because it was his daughter. And they were kind yeah. of just like, oh, she only got the part because. And you're just like, well, you know, if she didn't have much time to prepare, and if he didn't have much time to prepare, fuck it, what do you want? Like, it's still, yeah. you know, it's still not appearing on anybody's 100 worst films list do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's i think it's still doing okay it's a fucking godfather movie um <laughs> that there, there's a theory i have about like kind of uh france ford coppola's like insistence for his children to kind of get into film almost is that like it's reported that his dad kind of was like a, a struggling flautist mm-hmm. and like because he had that kind of struggle um yeah carmine coppola's turned around to his children and said like I don't want you to 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 go to to do this. I don't yeah. want you to try and like do anything in entertainment. And I think it's that kind of thing when your parent like that rebellion. Oh yeah, if you like, if you're told not to do something, it's gonna yeah. it's gonna make you dig in and do it more, isn't it? So yeah, and especially if you are a creative person, if you already know mm-hmm. that you want to do something creative and artistic, and and you know and and yeah, either make films or be in films. Um, or be a musician or, or, you know, any kind of creative. If somebody, if, if that's already, you know, flourishing in you and you know it's something that you love and you're interested in and then somebody goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's like, well, fuck you. I'm going to be a filmmaker. I'm going to be a drummer. I'm going to do this. Because, yeah, it's, yeah, because when you're a teenager, like, yeah, you, you know, if anyone's like, don't you crawl over that broken glass and then in, <laughs> get into that glass full of vinegar. You're going to do it because somebody's told you not to. Um, <laughs> teenagers are awful. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you, well, you know, you, you, I think, yeah, of course. Uh, but I, it, it is understandable as well at the same time because, you know, it's, it's very different now because if you, um, you know, you can only really be a creative in, you know, the truest sense. You can only really like hole up in a, 
you know, in a little flat and create if you have a backer. So like if you have the money to go and do mm -hmm. your degree and, you know, and have a studio and be an artist, you know, you need financial backing. So you either need a very rich family or you need to strike it incredibly lucky, incredibly <laughs> young so that you can be financed, yeah. you know. So, yeah. So it's kind of it's not quite the same as as starving artists. I think once you get past a certain point, you know, you are free to be like, yeah, fuck it. Be what you like, you know, <laughs> like celebrity kids get the chance to be models, uh, you know, models, artists, oh. filmmakers, actors, because they can, because they've got the choice to do that. None of them go out and be, become accountants. Do you know what I mean? Like nobody yeah. goes out and becomes an estate agent if they've got like a famous filmmaker father. Um, so, yeah. And, and but again, it's that it's, it's that old adage of do what you love, you know, do the, yeah, do the thing exactly. that you that you love the most. And I think that's just, you know, that's obviously like a really nice thing to have, like to have that luxury to just be like, mm -hmm. you've got the chance to do this if it, it's there, if you want it. Um, if you do want to go and become an estate agent, that's fine. But like, if you want, <laughs> you can be a filmmaker or you can be an actor. Well, you touched on the fact that, yeah, uh, teenagers will kind of, when they're told not to do something, will do the complete opposite. Yeah. It was like the perfect segue <laughs> to talk about it is. Moonrise Kingdom. <clears throat> What kind of bird are you? I'm a sparrow. She's a dog. No, I said. What kind of bird are you? Dear Suji, here's my plan. Dear Sam, my answer is yes. Dear Suji, one. Dear Sam, where? Dear Suji, walk 400 yards due north from your house to the dirt path which has not got any name on it. Turn right and follow to the end. I will meet you in the meadow. Who's missing? Shukuski, you in there? Jiminy Cricket, he flew the coop. Well, where the hell are you? Right here. Does it concern you that your daughter has just run away from home? That's a loaded question. Until help arrives, I'm deputizing the little guy, the skinny one, and the boy with the patch on his eye to come with me in the station wagon. What am I looking at? He does watercolors, mostly landscapes, but a few nudes. If we find him, I'm not going to be the one who forgot to bring a weapon. <laughs> me neither. Where's the boy? I'm told that he's just been struck by lightning. It's true. I'll be out back. I'm going to find a tree to chop down. When did you first see this film and what were your kind of first impressions when you saw it? Um, I, I think I saw this. Oh my gosh, when did it come out? What year did it come out? 2012. 2012. I think I saw this around 2014. Mm -hmm. Um so the year I got married and um yeah, I think I think it was my husband Daryl who showed it to me. Um but yeah, I just instantly fell in love with it. I think it was it was just so funny and I mm -hmm. and sweet. Um you know, but just just really really touching. Um, and it was so different to anything I'd sort of seen up to that point. And, you know, it wasn't my first Wes Anderson, but it was definitely 
um i i talk about this in my in the sudden double deep episode where we talk about it as well so for anybody who's listening to both i'm very sorry i will repeat myself <laughs> um but yeah it was kind of i i'd seen the life aquatic i think that was my first Wes anderson and i didn't really understand it i didn't really get it um because everyone is so serious <laughs> everyone's got <laughs> everyone's got such a you know serious poker face while they're delivering these lines and it's kind of i just didn't understand i didn't understand why they were dressed the same i didn't understand why the the fish were animated i didn't it was just like it was all it was all a bit like i don't get it whereas everyone was raving about how amazing this filmmaker was um so yeah to see moonrise kingdom and kind of have it be so perfect i think it's so perfectly made and it's such a perfect example again of wes anderson's style and his um his aesthetic like his color schemes and his uh symmetry that he uses and and like you know perspective and all those kind of things that that really uh, make him stand out as a filmmaker um it, it is such a perfect example of that um but yeah it's just it's very innocent like the the relationship between Sam and Susie is just so innocent and sweet, <laughs> and yeah, just just um, a lot of the actors in it, like the 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 grown ups in inverted commas, um, is some of the best stuff they've ever done. And I kind of, yes. I, you know, I I just feel like it's a real shame that um, Bruce Willis, especially, I feel like this is, <laughs> I feel like this is the last funny thing he ever did, and it might still be the last funny thing he ever does. Yeah. And I just think that's a real shame. Intentionally, at least. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Just, exactly. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, if people follow me on Twitter, they'll kind of know that I've got this like low key beef with Bruce Willis. <laughs> and I think it is because the fact of like, he was so great. And it's that yeah. thing of like, you're better than this man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and I think it's the fact that like, for the past however many years, I've kind of like lived with people like, Bad mouth and Nicolas Cage for being in these straight to DVD movies. Oh man, like, they, no, I... Bruce Willis <laughs> is right there and like doesn't even like doesn't even like show up. Yeah, for any of them, he kind of like turns up, phones it in, paycheck, yeah. yeah, and then goes. At least like Cage is in a straight to DVD movie, but he's going like he's, balls to yeah, the wall, yeah, yeah. crazy. He's treating like, it like it's fucking. He's treating it like it's a fucking Oscar contender. Like exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Let's talk about the kind of the cast before we kind of get into sure. what this film is about. So, as you mentioned, we've got Bruce Willis as Captain Sharp, Ed Norton as Scoutmaster Ward, yeah. Bill Murray as Mr. Bishop, Francis McDormand, and a little aside, I love the fact that um, I've got the Criterion like release of this. Lovely. Like documentaries and kind of uh, the, the commentary is possibly one of the most Wes Anderson things <laughs> ever because it's. It's presented by Wes Anderson, I think, like, a guy who's, like, the head of Criterion. Wow. And uh, Jake Ryan, uh, who plays Lionel, the oldest of Susie's younger brothers. Oh, right. Who, okay. Who is in eighth grade as well. He kind of plays, oh. like, the, the awkward kid right. that Elsie Fisher's character goes on a, a date with at the end. Right. Kind of the chicken nugget kid <laughs> no i haven't like, daryl uh, keeps trying to make me watch it but i'm it's fantastic yeah like, it's, it's it's such like definitely like one of I'm, the yeah i'm a little frightened of it <laughs> just because just because i've been a teenage girl do you know what i mean it's it's just mm -hmm. like that that crushing trauma of being alive at 14 years yes. old like and how everything is just the worst like everything is like just so 
it's so heart-wrenchingly awful. <laughs> like everything is, every day is the end of the world when you're 14. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure I want to go back in there. I'm not sure I want to. But yeah, I will. I will not, at some point. Not, I definitely not will. Not to spoil the film in any way, but like the the kind of one of the main scenes with um, yeah Ro- uh, Jake Ryan uh-huh. is near the end of the film, and kind of like when you get to that scene, it just makes you feel so like warm and fuzzy oh, inside. Oh, nice. It's just like, he he's he's fantastic, and he's one of many kind of child actors we get in this. That like, yeah, and and now like. Oh, that's that kid from that. Yeah. So, <laughs> g- going down the list, we have Tilda Swinton as social services, Jared Gilman as Sam Shikusky, Cara Hayward as Susie Bishop, Jason Schwartzman, of course, as cousin Ben, Bob Balaban as the narrator, Lucas Hedges, what happened to him, as Redford, <laughs> and it goes on. There's so many, like, great performances and... um. Would you do me the pleasure of kind of giving a, a brief synopsis of kind of what this film is about, Jeanette? Yeah, of course. Um, so essentially, this film is centred around um, New Panzance Island, uh, which, uh, according to the lovely Bob Balaban, is 16 miles across um, and, uh, yeah, only a few miles uh, wide. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's uh, a tiny little island, Oh, there you go. You've even got the lovely map of it. That's yes. fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it's a tiny little island with a very small community living on it. Um, and it's uh, the story centers around Susie, who has um, three brothers and uh, mum and dad who aren't particularly happy um, in one of the biggest houses I've ever seen. It's kind of, <laughs> it's, it's the, like the TARDIS. It's much bigger on the inside. Um and her kitten so she reads books and she hangs out with her kitten and uh and yeah she she's a teenage girl she's growing up she's starting to get cross about, about the world around her she's starting to get irritated by her little brothers she's starting to get pissed off with her parents not liking each <laughs> other um and she's starting to get annoyed that nobody seems to be listening to her uh and then you have sam who is a khaki scout uh, who is one of the best Cub Scouts there's ever been. He is <laughs> he is a, a survivalist warrior scout. He's amazing. Um, and he meets Susie at a, at backstage at a play, and they kind of have an instant instant connection. They like each other very much. They become pen pals, and um, and they decide that they they're the only ones that understand each other in the world, and they decide to run away. Uh, and find their own little slice of heaven and and live there together um because they've fallen in love uh <laughs> and yeah it's it's about as soon as they go missing obviously the whole island um goes berserk and and yeah the the film is about trying to find them and trying to figure out what to do with sam um because yeah he's uh he's a foster kid he's an orphan who's being fostered and you know he's you know he's a, he's a inverted commas problem child um and yeah needs to figure out what what needs to happen to sam um but yeah it's it's kind of it's this whole cast is just it's all tangled up in this um this love story this this love story for the ages so let's talk about some of those earlier scenes like it kind of like i love that opening because it kind of like is the wes anderson calling card when we get that kind of like here's like some like shots of like very static shots but then quick like pan zooms and this kind yes. of like 
I, th- I think uh, Daryl put it in your episode of like this is doll's house. Yeah, very much is like the... a doll's house. Like you've taken a wall off the house, yes. and you're just looking in the rooms as they Would... as they move around the house. Yeah, it's kind of weirdly like like you can't you don't really get a sense of the geography of the house though. At the no. same time, it's kind of like <laughs> I would I would love to see like I'm sure there's somebody who's making kind of tony collette style miniatures oh from yeah from hereditary of wes anderson houses <laughs> probably like the, the, there's probably the one thing. on instagram right now i'm sure if you hashtag wes anderson interiors somebody's got a page devoted to it i'm, I'm gonna or guarantee like Etsy it store, yeah right? yeah yeah exactly i'll, I'll get a davy crockett hat <laughs> a, a uh yeah, a, a Camp Ivanhoe badge. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh my god, the patches, patch. the patches <laughs> in this movie. Like, I'm a big fan of patches. Um, I collect them. I, I have a denim jacket covered with them, and I just, I, I patches is one of those. Like, pin badges and patches is mm-hmm. one of my, one of my loves. And yeah, the amount of patches that these Cub Scouts have that I need in my life, like they're just, <laughs> they're so great. And kind of, I keep trying to to pause the film at the right moment so I can read them. Cause like, yeah, some mm-hmm. of the, obviously some of the Cubby Scouts have more than others, but their symbol is like a little raccoon head. And I just, I just love it. I just love the, the look of this is so much. There's so much detail, like in, in the costumes and everything. And it's, it's all, obviously it's Wes Anderson. It all has to fit a certain color palette and a certain tone. Um, and this is set in the 60s as well so like it it does have to have that kind of 60s aesthetic so everything's a little bit homemade and ramshackle you know well we get that thing obviously yeah we get that thing of the Benjamin Britten like uh, song where it kind of the introduction to the orchestra yes but yeah as you kind of like um, mentioned like the the island like New Penzance and Bob Balaban is this kind of like (laughs) I don't it's like he's like He's like a geologist. He's he's, he's a, like yeah, like a Greek chorus. Yeah. Well, he's he's kind of <laughs> yeah. like telling you like what's gonna happen and like kind he, of, he, but only but only in regards to the island. So yes. like it, it's almost like the island is a different character in the film. It's like its own mm-hmm. separate entity in the film is this tiny island. Um, and yeah, I just I love the Bob Balaban scenes because yeah, he's just he's this little man in a big red coat. And he's, you know, and he's walking boots and yeah, he's either like measuring the wind speed or like he's sending a weather balloon up or he's like standing with one foot on a rock, like in front of some scenery, kind of with his hands on his hips, telling you some information. Um, I, yeah, I just, I think it's adorable. He kind of, yeah, he tells you like, um, you know, how much rainfall there is. He tells you what the wind speeds are. Like he tells you how big the but island that, is. His introduction. And I just always think of that thing of like, how long did that actually take to shoot? Because obviously, like, his background just keeps changing. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. Like, this film, like, bears repeat viewing because you kind of, like, I don't know, there's, like, one moment there's just, like, this gruff man, like, sat at a table with, like, kind of hunting <laughs> gear behind him. And it's like, yeah, and then there's, like, him on the rocks and then you've just got like these two random children in the background yeah what is like what is getting that comes to play like much later in the film yeah but also like there's kind of the the sun's at different levels at different times when he's talking to you so like in some it's really (laughs) sunny and in some it's really cloudy and some it's raining and some it's dark and you're just like yeah that must have taken a week like just Bob Balaban scenes I mean or it could have taken two days who knows but it's just it gives you that sense of him just being around all the time like he's just he's in the background and he's kind of yeah he is the island isn't he yeah and uh, like I love there's a moment um 
when like the parents and the khaki scouts and that are, are desperately looking for Sam and Susie and he kind of just like turns up yeah. and goes like oh if you remember I gave Sam his uh like um oh, uh, cryptography badge or something oh like yeah that. yeah his like, map reading like, yeah yeah he, 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 he will definitely be going to this place and it kind of <laughs> almost feels like like a joke between Wes Anderson and Roman Coppola of going like well we've like written ourselves into a bit of a hole here let's, <laughs> let's just bring in the narrator to kind of yeah. like tell them like well, cause, gonna be here. yeah at the beginning <laughs> he tells you about um because there's Native American trails across the islands um so yeah that kind of it does come into play because you know it's it's the the kind of native american um symbols are painted on things so you have uh teepees and horses and and native americans there is an egregious use of uh a native american headdresses in this film but i will forgive it um one of them is worn by bill murray's actual son yeah well. <laughs> yeah um <laughs> it's not a cool man but yeah it's it's just it's what it is let's get let it go um well it's that thing of as well that sorry to do about like all this kind of iconography of native uh people yet not a single person not a single person of color not a single native american lives on this island (laughs) that is like historically native american with native american trails and names for its camps yeah exactly um (laughs) that's just very wes anderson though isn't it it's just i think he's he's becoming more aware of this and i think the louder people shout the more he'll listen i think you know it it is one of those situations where it's just like if enough people turn around and go like wes man you have to address this yeah I, i i don't know like whether i'm saying this because i'm a fan and it's that thing of like i genuinely think like especially the earlier stuff is done on a sense of like naivety of like yes do you know what I mean? Like, I often think about it like doing a podcast. And we're like, oh, it's, like, it's just you and a load of men talking a load of time. And it's like, well, that that's not down to me going, I hate women. That's more down to me going like, I feel like very self-conscious <laughs> approaching yes. women. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's down to that fact. But like, uh, yeah, and, and it's, well, even when he did Isle of Dogs, I think there was... Uh, that was problematic in itself yeah 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 Yeah, yeah, that was problematic uh, all by itself um (laughs) so but let's not get bogged down no you're you're gonna talk about some other controversy (laughs) with this you're gonna talk about that with somebody else on a different episode and i feel like you can you can dedicate the entire episode to how problematic (laughs) these things are um but yeah it's it's kind of um because yeah Bob Balaban going back to him he's just like he at the beginning he tells you about these trails and these these Mm -hmm. places and then further along the line he goes like oh yeah Sam asked me about these things and he was very interested in them so you'll probably find him here so it's like a really nice way of knitting the whole film together um and I just find the structure of this film really really interesting as well it's kind of got these lovely flashbacks that you're having all the time yeah. to different information just... and different like things like letters and pictures and art mm-hmm. and moments and things and it's just yeah you're constantly moving you know and it's, yeah, it's the just film just barrels along yeah right? yeah, it's yeah. Just kind of like there's, there's not like a kind of ounce of fat on it no there's no, there's no moment in it where i go like oh that that scene could go and even like the kind of more quiet scenes it's mm. like if you take that out this whole thing falls apart because as much as it is this kind of like romantic story about these two like teenage kids it's it's kind of not at the same time mm. it's kind of like using them as a thing of being like 
like making you look at that and then it kind of gives you these like small moments or whether it's like the bishops like the the two councillors oh yeah 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 bill murray like when they kind of have their moment uh later on in the film where they kind of like um like he says i'm like she says i'm sorry wolf and he's like oh what for yeah yeah she says like oh well whatever like you're like still hung up on and stuff like that and it's like well that that moment there is heartbreaking and it's the small moments between Francis McDormand and, and Bruce Willis and it's that thing of like you're almost like shown as an audience like remember remember yeah, how yeah, like yeah. simple things used to be why do we as like adults ruin it basically yeah. by like putting all these other external weird things in the way, whether it's, and, and nine times out of ten, it's ourselves. Yeah, of course. You know I mean? Which is, we let ourselves get in the way, and it's like, well, if we kind of take a leaf out of Sam and Susie's book, it's like... It's very simple. Yeah, we're both, we're both, we're, we're both a little wi- bit weird. Like, And we uh, like uh, each other, like, and we just want to be together. That's yeah. literally it. That's literally just the core of it. Like Susie's saying to her mum, like, we love each other. We just want to be together. What's so yeah. wrong with that? Because, yeah, so mum is obviously um she's having an affair with mm-hmm. um oh remind me captain sharp captain sharp thank you i'm just going to call him bruce willis but yeah captain sharp <laughs> she's having an affair with captain sharp which has obviously been going on for quite some time um because yeah the um when when he takes sam in for the night um until social services comes to get him in the morning um you know he was talking about being in love and he's like are you have you ever been in love and he's like yeah and he's like well why aren't you together and he's like because she didn't love me back and it's it's quite obviously you know Susie's mom and you're just like well mm-hmm. why haven't why didn't you because you she loves you now so what happened in that time from like you know him saying please stay with me please be with me and her going no I'm off to marry this guy and then coming back full circle and realizing actually she does love him. So it's like, you know, there's this huge complicated story going on where, yeah, like Mr. Bishop obviously knows the affairs going on and he's very depressed about it. Um, but again, it's like, it's not really spoken about because they have these kids and, and you know, they, they, it's, yeah, there's obviously a huge complicated backstory going on there. Yeah. And, but it's like, as much as it is in the background, it's obviously that thing like you start to realize that like, it is saying something about the time that this is set as well. Yes. Obviously, the, like for yeah, for a woman especially, there would have been social pressure to kind to of to stay like, with the family and and yeah, and, and and be with someone who's kind of like respectable. Yeah, you know what I mean, like whereas like the kind of one lonely island cop, like <laughs> Wes Anson has said, like it's kind of interesting that. He's inspired by the character, by uh, Roy Schneider's character in Jaws. He kind of like nice. that imagery of like the one cop in a place. Yeah. And kind of like all of the all of the kind of um, communities, small or big problems fall upon his shoulders. Yeah, that's a nice analogy. And there's this thing like like digging into like the music whenever Sharp's on screen. You got like Hank Williams, and it's it kind of shows this like loneliness yeah it's like this kind of like lonely cowboy music almost. yeah and it's like you get this sense that like I don't know, it's, it's heartbreaking yeah and it's like it's that thing that even though i would have been like oh, i saw this yeah 2012 so i would have been in my 20s mm-hmm. uh, i was like even then i was like oh, i can more relate to like the kind of because i would have been like early 20s so like could have like would have related more to like the Sam and Susie. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember that from like ten years ago. Yeah, 
Whereas like now I'm like getting older and like my circumstances have changed. I'm like, I I relate so much more to Mr. and Mrs. Bishop (laughs) and and Captain Sharp. Yeah, the sad grown-ups. Yeah, Yeah. what happens when it all goes wrong? And like, (laughs) like, especially now it's like, yeah, I know, like I've I've had somebody who like I loved and it didn't work and stuff like so that, that those lines are like, oh, like <laughs> absolutely uh, murder me. But, yeah, um, I... let's talk about Camp Ivanhoe. Oh my god, Camp I Ivanhoe! Love I love it so much. <laughs> I, honestly, I think, and again, I said this on on the podcast episode we did, but Edward Norton, like he was in two of the films that I picked for my birthday yeah. episode. So he was in um, Kingdom of Heaven. Obviously, he was uh, uh, the king um, with the mask. You know, he had leprosy. And you you don't see his face, but I I think it's one of the best things he's ever done. He's so subtle and gentle in that film. And his performance is is quite extraordinary for a man who's, like, not really seen um, Mm -hmm. for his whole performance. And he is hilarious like edward norton again is a man who i'm just like please be funny like you yeah. like you don't have to be serious all the time you have such good comedy chops like so please like push yourself to you know it might be more like um out of your comfort zone i think you know to take these kind of funnier roles rather than serious roles because when you think edward norton you think fight club um you, you know you think uh hulk you think these kind of you know yeah. angry or or very sad characters <laughs> Um, but yeah, that guy's funny, man. He's got serious, serious comedy timing and just the, the walk, the first walk through camp, oh. camp Ivanhoe, when he's just like, how's that lanyard coming along? <laughs> Horrible, sir. And he's like, and he's got, he's smoking a fag, right? Cause it's the sixties. Yeah. So he's smoking a fag and like walking through and there's a kid setting fire to an ant's nest, but he's not really interested in that bit. He's interested in the fact that his socks aren't pulled up and his shirt's not tucked in. It's a uniform violation. And then this kid's building a tree house on top of what is essentially a telephone pole. It's like a tree with no branches. And he's just like, safety violation. And he's like, well, then where would you build it? And he's like, lower. Lower. That's <laughs> crazy about that. Um, that tree house was built. And then they actually like, built. For that shot, just took oh my... away the guide cables. Oh, my God. It. Yeah, like on the on the commentary, where Anson kind of goes into like, it's just like there's there's little weird things and like part of me is like is he trolling <laughs> like because that, that that to me it's like there's uses of miniatures throughout yes the film. gorgeous like, miniatures that's got to, yeah that's got to be a miniature because otherwise yeah that's like, mad why would you why would you actually build that tree i mean it but looks like, great yeah, you... you know it looks fantastic but yeah like i didn't for one second think that was a real tree house because yeah <laughs> it just looks like it looks like, uh, yeah, that it's just on a on a telegraph pole. It's just this little treehouse swaying precariously in the breeze. Like, Jesus. The Blu-ray menu uh, on the Criterion just has this amazing thing where it's got the treehouse kind of slightly swaying <laughs> in the wind. so dangerous. And then, and then cuts to um, Redford's motorbike. Yeah, in the in tree, the tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just pop, 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 putting away in the tree. Like, and yeah, the, it just... It's wonderful. It's such a reflection of the 60s and how like it was very much like more about discipline and, and you know, hard work um, rather than any kind of regard for children's safety. Like it just it, that kind of thing was just so 
Um, so not forgotten about, but it just wasn't even a consideration in the 60s, like that, that actually what these kids were doing was very dangerous because, yeah, these kids have knives, arrows, they have axes, they have fire, um, you know, and, and yeah, some of these kids are tiny as well. Like some of these Cub Scouts are really tiny. So like, yeah, it's just it, it cracks me up every single time. They're kind of treated like soldiers, these tiny kids. Yeah. I, lo I love that kind of like you mentioned that first introduction to the camp and um, when you get like the kind of reveal that Sam's as as um, Scoutmaster <laughs> Ward says, Jimmy Cricket. He flew, flew the coop. The, coop. Like, the best thing about that scene, like <laughs> I just, it cracks me up every single time. So he's like, it zipped from the inside, which isn't a thing. It's not a thing. Like, and he gets out, it's like, he gets out his little pen knife so he can open it from the inside. As again, it's a zip, like zips work both ways. Like it doesn't matter which side you yeah. zip it up from. And then, and then <laughs> Sam, bless him, instead of like just leaving the tent through the zip, like through the zippy door, he's cut a hole in the side, which is completely pointless. Not only that, he's <laughs> covered it up with a poster, but you can see it from the other side. It's just, it's a, it's such a wonderful visual gag that is just so perfectly constructed. I think like comedy is actually a science, like sometimes, like yeah. especially for things like visual gags. And when you get it that spot on, like that perfect, um, it's just magic. Well, I think Wes Anderson, like, especially shows that because this film is just... Full of them, full of them, yeah. Where it's just like, like, there's, like, just on, on the rewatch today, there's a moment in, like, yeah, when you look at the, the setup at Camp Island, yeah. though, the the barbecue says property of chow Master. yes and it's like <laughs> stuff like that that you don't like you wouldn't you wouldn't pick up on, on the first yeah yeah, yeah. The, the like crocheted blanket that sam has in his in his yeah. tent and like kind of the kind of ephemera that um uh scoutmaster ward has and like there's just the shot of um the kind of what would he be like the grand high yes harvey keitel indian corn yeah magazine. yeah, yeah. <laughs> indian corn magazine quote, that cracks me yeah. up every time there, there's a quote from him that just reads uh like are we men or are we oh uh, yeah are we mice or are we men <laughs> and it's like, like stuff like that it's just like fantastic <laughs> and um yeah when the kids get like so scoutmaster ward uh gets like says to them like well we need to look for sam and yeah like, yeah and they're that... like weapons and he's like no we're trying to find him not hurt him <laughs> like it's just it, it kind of the fact that you have to remind these kids that is just like no this isn't warfare like you're supposed to be finding someone like not not hurting them the moment i love in that is when one of the kids asks him like he says this is a non-violent operation <laughs> but like earlier a kid had asked him like what's your real job <laughs> yeah. because you kind of got these kind of like um Aaron Sorkin like walk and yeah, talk yeah, almost yeah. like him kind of like marching with the kids and he says like oh, I'm a math teacher and they're kind of right like, lazy eyes really giving him sass because he's like he's like oh, <laughs> do you need um, a PhD I'm a, I'm a for that sir yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and he's, he's he, he he kind of like you get this sense of like self doubt in him and it's kind of beautiful yeah see well because he turns around and goes no actually I'm a scoutmaster first <laughs> and a math teacher second. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like that's his like, passion it's just like no this is what i love <laughs> like i do i do mass teacher to pay the bills like i'm here for you guys wes anderson said the reason he cast um edward norton 
is because he thought he looked like somebody who would have been painted in a Norman Rockwell painting. I always find that Fair. fascinating. Like he kind of he does have that kind of like period appropriate look yes. to him, whether it's the way like he kind of styles his hair and he's for somebody who's played all these dark roles, he looks very boyish. Yes. Yeah. Like when you put him in a pair of like khaki shorts <laughs> and like a scout <laughs> yeah. uniform. Like even with the cigarette on, it's like <laughs> Like, do you know what I mean? He, yeah, it doesn't look like he'd he been look, old enough to buy them at the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he looks like a 17-year-old <laughs> in, a, in a rough area. To be fair, I, mean? like, I think you put shorts and knee socks on most people. That's what happens. Yeah. Like, you inf- instantly infantilize them when you put somebody in shorts and socks <laughs> like that. Um, but, yeah, it's just this. And as well, there's something about scout uniforms as well. It's kind of, you know, it's like you get the same thing with Mounties. Anything with a hat. I feel like anything yes. that's any kind of uniform that's got a hat with it, like or a sheriff, um, they kind of look like a kid playing that role, like not like a grown up. Do you know what I mean? Or even a cowboy. Yeah. You know, it's it's that kind of like, yeah, that's that's not a real outfit, is it? That's a dress up. Um, One of the kind of things I love about this film as well, and the, the the way it was kind of like put together is they all like apparently they all kind of like shared a common like not in a weird way, but like kind of like live like locally oh, cool. in Rhode yeah. Island all kind of like um like came to set in costume like so would get on a bus like did their own makeup even down to uh Cara Hayward Susie yeah like, she did her own makeup yeah yeah and it's and it's it kind of has this sense of like a big summer yeah. camp and it's like it's, it seems like it's a lot of fun and like I imagine like yeah from like seeing like uh, behind the scenes footage and stuff like that you just got this like there's this very bizarre moment <laughs> in like this kind of behind the scenes documentary where there's like it's at Fort Lebanon and there's all the kind of khaki yeah. stuff and like Wes Anderson like they must have finished a take or something like that but they're all kind of like it's like Beatlemania <laughs> and there's all these kids like shoving their hand towards it but there's like this kind of they've almost like developed this like They've been around. They've been in Wes Anderson land. Yeah, and they're all going like, "It's a pleasure to work oh. with you, sir." And it's like, is this like, is this night? Or like, and there's just one kid who goes like, oh, "I love Fantastic Mr. Oh, Fox." So <laughs> nice, isn't that sweet? But yeah, like you forget how many kids are actually in this film. Like, there's actually very mm-hmm. few adults. The majority of the cast of this film is actually the scouts. So you know, and the, yeah. and the kids in the play. And, you know, there's there's just so many children. So, yeah, when you kind of, it must have been so much fun. And when they get to, um, you know, the uh, St. Jack's Island, is it St. Jack's or St. John's? St. Jack's, right? St. Jack's, So St. Yeah, Jack's, yeah. they get to St. Jack's and they meet uh, Cousin Ben at, like, the bigger camp. Um, you know, there's there's stuff going on in the background. There's zip wires, there's rockets, there's kids doing <laughs> assault courses, there's running, there's for, like kids running in formation. There's like there's all this kind. Of, they <laughs> go but go and stand by the trampoline and talk about it. There's a kid bouncing on a trampoline. Like there's just there's kids everywhere doing the maddest stuff. Um, so what? yeah, they must have all been having such a good time. And I I I I think that that's lovely that he he managed to create such a lovely fun atmosphere for them. They found a lot of the like khaki scouts whilst essentially looking amazing for the character of Sam yeah, yeah. because they were like, and it took eight months for them to kind of find, um, yeah, because the, the kid who played Redford was going to be Sam, uh, initially. I think he was, he was who, uh, Wes Anderson had in mind to be Sam, um, uh. but actually, like, he decided that he wasn't quite right. So, obviously, when they found Sam. 
um, he was like, no, I, I still like this kid and I still want him to be in my movie. So, yeah, he gave him the character of Redford. Um, but, yeah, I just uh, Redford's brilliant as well. And he's like, we've been really shoddy. We've been really shoddy towards oh, Tchaikovsky. That, yeah, yeah, in fact, yeah. we've been downright mean. Uh, he's just, it just, <laughs> it's, the dialogue is wonderful. And it's like, it is typically Wes Anderson, where it's very, very whimsical kind of dialogue. But yeah, like hearing it come out of these tiny kids' mouths is just, when they're dealing with such grown up subjects, um, you know, when they're kind of with the wedding and stuff like that, the, the you know, when Susie and Sam decide they're going to get married <laughs> and Redford turns around and goes, can they have the nickels? We're worried about their future. And he, it's just like, it's so sweet. It's such a grown up thing to do to be like, they're getting married. They're going to need some money. Um, but yeah, he's this, he's this child. Um, so yeah, it's a, it, <laughs> that's my feet. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> he's just like, that's my feet. That's not, no. Okay, fine. And he like shoves it towards them, doesn't he? Like, yeah. Cousin Ben is just that, that whole part of that film is just one of the biggest highlights for me. Um, I think there's like a kind of reading of this film that like it's written like the children are written like yes. adults and the adults are very much written like yeah. children. Like, even in the ways that they behave, like you Oh, Mr. Like, Bishop is just stroppy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's stropping about, he's kind I'm gonna of go like, cut down a tree. <laughs> yeah, or it's like when he's like throw he throws his shoe at Scout Master yeah. Ward and stuff like that when they kind <laughs> yeah. of when they say that like it was Susie who yeah. stabbed he stabbed, yeah, he stabbed the kid in the woods and stuff like that. But like, because he he doesn't yeah, he doesn't know how to. Again, it's like it's very much a, a, a indicative of the time that this is set as well. Like in the sixties, mm-hmm. you didn't talk about your feelings. You weren't even yeah. allowed to have feelings, let alone talk about them. <laughs> so like this man who is being cheated on by his wife. You know, he's 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 a dad. He's obviously not very happy. He kind of he doesn't really know how to communicate with his children, especially Susie. Like Susie is, you know, becoming a young woman. She needs some kind of understanding and some kind of um, some kind of guidance. But of course, like they they've they've got their little pamphlet on how to deal with a troubled child, and they've kind of decided that that's that's what they're going to do instead of talking to her or finding out what's wrong with her. Um, they've just kind of done the grown up thing and got a pamphlet and. Because it's the 60s, you know? So, yeah, so so Mr. Bishop's kind of, yeah, he's sulky and he's sullen and, like, he's 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 angry. And he, even when he kind of... So when they find Sam and Susie on their, on their little Moonrise Kingdom Island, you know, in their little cove, and he just lifts the tent off of both of them and he just stares at them both as they're hugging each other and he can't even <laughs> bring himself to say anything. He's so angry, like, he's so furious. And he literally just stands there and stares at them and you can see he's furious and he just throws the tent away and walks off because he just, he can't, you know, he's so repressed that he just, he can't, he can't even say he's angry at them. So yeah, he's, he's Bill Murray in this is beautifully underplayed. Mm-hmm. I, like, like, so let's talk about Sam and Susie specifically and that kind of, I love that introduction we get of Sam and it's, it mirrors a couple of shots we get earlier when he's like, he's in his canoe and you get yeah. these, brilliant like because the thing this film it feels it feels like it was almost like it, well, it's probably down to the fact that it's filmed on 16 millimeters yeah it's gorgeous so, like, it's got this like grain to mm-hmm. it and they they use these um atom cameras that were like made in conjunction with uh goddard so like and he but he never really used okay by the time by the time they essentially made the cameras he's like it's taken so long i'm over it (laughs) (laughs) 
come over it now. I find it really interesting that like the, the, the cameras they use, they're like underslung cameras, so you don't hold them on your shoulder. You kind of hold them at your waist. Oh. Like, Anderson said, like, that's perfect for this film because most yeah, of the Yeah, yeah, because of the kids. Like, it's yeah, little yeah, kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's like that, that, that's the level we want to Amazing. be at of the time. Um, but, yeah, so when we get that, like, introduction of Jared Gilman and mm-hmm. Sam, um, what do you yeah what do you kind of make of his performance in this oh he's film? wonderful like he's he's glorious like sam <laughs> sam is such a gorgeous little kid and like you can really feel like he's just trying to find a place to be like he's just trying to find a family so like you know we we kind of see him trekking across this island you know really like <laughs> like he's he's such a good scout you know like he he's canoeing across the lake and he's and he hides his boat by putting a couple of twigs and a pine cone on it and then he you know <laughs> hikes across the thing and yomps across this and uses a pulley and you know he's he's doing some amazing orienteering like he's he's doing really well yeah. and you can tell like he's really trying at this like he's really good at it um and like yeah he's just you can tell because he's so serious about being a khaki scout as well like he really loves it and like you feel like he's trying to find his his tribe you know he's trying to find his little home and um and yeah unfortunately he doesn't get on with the other kids and yeah it just is it's really sad because yeah he's just he is just looking for some brothers he is just looking for a family really um and yeah he's got his mum's brooch on which is something that you see you see you know very quickly you kind of realize he's wearing this and it's like i think there's a there's a really zoomed in shot of it as well when you yeah. see like his hat the glasses the badges the brooch like you like you kind of get a, a snapshot don't you a little montage of sam um well there's that moment when they're kind of like that those moments when they're together yeah and he has that like brilliant line where he's like um like it's like uh susie asks him like what's that and he's like oh this belonged to my mum." it's like he's like it's not it's not meant to be worn by a man but i don't yeah care. yeah yeah, exactly like, like, but i don't give a damn <laughs> yeah and i think it's kind of you know because <laughs> yes uh, his scoutmaster didn't know that he was being fostered mm. he didn't know that he was an orphan like nobody told him um you know and he feels really bad about it like he he wants to look after this kid and he, you know he's just like oh shit like i've really let him down which of course he hasn't he just wasn't aware um but yeah no sam is just yeah he's he's just a normal kid he's just i i kind of i get i get kind of sad that people read too much into this and they kind of like oh it's abusive and it's too sexual and it's just it's it's making these these kids too grown up and you know i i get really sad about that because there's something so innocent and pure about Susie and sam and the way that they they've kind of fallen into this romantic love with each other because it's just like have you never been 12 like, have you never been 12 and kind of had your first kiss or your first handhold or your first, you know, first, um, your boyfriend, your your girlfriend, whatever. Yeah, so that that, that scene, that, that like, dance yeah. scene they do, was the last thing they Yes, I read filmed. this, and it was on a closed set, wasn't it? So that they were much more comfortable, that they could be comfortable, mm-hmm. um, and, and so that they the actors could get to know each other as well and they could feel comfortable doing this scene together and i think that was that's a very sensitive way of of you know doing this um and yeah the things that they're doing aren't really sexy like it's not it's not like they're stripping do you know what i mean it's just well it's it's it's, it's not filmed in like a kind of like sexualized manner and there's something i've been listening to recently which is lolita podcast right. and it kind of goes into the um 
like adaptations of the book Lolita, like Nabokov's book, Lolita, yeah, and kind of like how kind of like inappropriate, yeah, and uh, yeah, the the sexualization of a teenage, yeah, girl a young teenage that is, girl that, as well, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the the character in the book, even though like I think in both film adaptations, like we're gonna age her up to fourteen, it's like it's still yeah, fourteen's two years off from twelve. Fourteen's no. like gross, like. <laughs> And then, and then the kind of like the way that the kind of the films and the directors and producers have like talked about them, like Adrian Lyne's like two, uh, 1987 version, like refers to her even on the director's commentary as like my Lolita, uh. and it's all very and like when you hear like stuff like that, and it, I, I don't want to give like yeah, like I don't want to give like just. Wes Anderson, like, like blanket. No, of course. Um, sh- shadow yeah. of a doubt. But at the same time, like, I do think that this is, like, done in, like, it seems like it was done in a sensitive yes. way. And it, it, as you said, like, it, it just touches upon that thing of, like, what, like, what it was actually like. To, to be to, a kid to, in to, love. To be at yeah. that age. And it's that thing of, like, that they're kind of like even in those scenes it's like and i think it's something that uh matt brothers mm-hmm. on and sort of double deep it's like there's no like lingering shots no. or anything inappropriate there's, there's no, no like, close-ups there's no nasty kind of close-ups of skin or like you know there's no light shining on hips or do you know what i mean there's kind of there wasn't any gratuity um with that yeah. scene at all it was you know and they're kind of Susie's underwear isn't too old for her. Do you know what I mean? It's still very much like age appropriate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's not, you know, nothing is pushed up or squeezed in. Do you know what I mean? Like she still, she still looks like a young teenage girl and Sam is just in his, in his white pants and his shirt. And it's just, you know, it's, it's very <laughs> innocent. Again, it's, it is very innocent. And, you know, I, I think it's, um, I think it's very dangerous to kind of sexualize children like that. It, it says more about you if you're watching that film and saying, oh, no, that's too sexy. Like that, that says more about how you're viewing that and what your mind's thinking than the film itself. Because, yeah, this is the film for me was very much about two. Tw- I think they're both 12, but it's like, you know, two 12 year olds kind of um just yeah this is all very new to them and it's all very you know they're both romantics they kind of have an idea of how they're supposed to act and what they're supposed to do and you know they don't even know what french kissing is but they try it anyway you know it's that kind of it is that kind of very innocent um first steps into romance um what the, there's like conflicting views anyway there's people who obviously come to the thing of like this it's is disgusting like, this is, yeah, and like <clears throat> there's been articles in like the the Huffington Post, mm-hmm. and like, and, but then like Professor Carol Siegel like says that like it's it's delicate and yeah. to like, a large extent n- n- inoffensive, yeah. and I think it I think it is like it is that thing, and like you you perfectly said like I think it does if you're kind of watching if this is getting your rocks off, there's something absolutely wrong with yeah. You. I don't like like, and it's like that thing of like the the film isn't about that it's no it's not, not about, about sex like it's not like, about yeah. you know it's definitely <laughs> it's, not about sex this is about two kids who love each other 
and kind of and just just want to be together they literally just want to hang out and have fun together they want you know mm. sam wants to paint her like she wants to read to him like he makes her earrings out of beetles and fish hooks and then pierces her ears oh. like which is hilarious <laughs> just because she's so in so much pain and then she looks at it and goes oh it's pretty do the other one like she's she spent like a good 20 minutes having a fish hook inserted into her ear and she loves him so much that she's gonna have the other one like I, I, I love all of that yeah. stuff of those two it's together. It's gorgeous. Like, when he asks her, like, why do you use binoculars? And she kind of says, like, it's like my magical power, like my magical power, and I kind of want to, I, I don't know, I want to feel something. And then you get that, like, uh, <laughs> she's got, you, you learn so much about them as well. You get her, like, romanticised ideal of what an orphan yes. is from the kind of book she reads. And because she's from and... a family, like she's got three brothers yeah. and two parents and she doesn't like any of them. So of course she's going to think that it's better to be out there on your own. And he's like, I love you, but you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and what she takes from that is that he said, I love you. So she's like, I love you too. There's, there's an amazing line as well where he makes her cry because he, he looks at the pamphlet that she shows him. She's desperately sad about the fact that his parents have this stupid pamphlet, like how to deal with your troubled child. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and she was kind of looking for some kind of understanding and he looks at it and he laughs and she's just goes, this isn't funny. And she sort of storms off and goes and sits in the tent and he comes in and she's been crying and he just goes, I'm sorry. And she goes, I know it's okay it's okay and he goes i'm on your side yeah that 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 crushes me that yeah because as an adult how many times do you want somebody to turn around and just be like <laughs> i'm on your side do you know what i mean like i understand like yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> you do just want that one person to be on your side don't you that's that's all any of us want so to hear this like yeah. incredibly grown up thing come out of like this little mouth, you're just like, you kids have got it right. Like you've definitely got it right. So like to push on with the plot, obviously they are found and you get that moment where Susie uh, says to her dad, like one of these days, like somebody's going to be pushed too far <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and who knows what they're capable of. And like, I just love that. And it's kind of like you get this intercut between like, Susie kind of like getting a telling off from mm -hmm. her parents, like even her brother Lionel. You're a traitor to our family, like, that I want to be. <laughs> yeah, and like the the kind of like the the scene of Sam and Scout. Oh, and it, that that's the one that breaks my heart. <laughs> that's definitely the one that breaks my heart. And and Scoutmaster Ward's just like, if I could have inspected that camp, I would have given you full marks. He's like, it's the best camp I've ever seen. <laughs> And like it just because that's how he knows how to bond with this kid. And, and, you know, he's really impressed with him. He's like really impressed with how much he, you know, how much he knew and how much he did. And, you know, he's like, and he's really devastated. That he doesn't want to be a khaki scout anymore. He's just like, but you were so good at it. Like, you know, yeah. that and, and Sam's crying and it just, yeah, that's the bit that really crushes me. Because Sam's kind of been told that he doesn't, he can't go back to the foster home and he can't, you know, he doesn't know where he's going to end up and he knows social services are going to come get him because he set fire to a dog house whilst he was sleepwalking but he doesn't recall <laughs> um like yeah it's, it's just i yeah poor little sam like he just again it's like he just and he knows he can't be with Susie anymore which is you know even worse yeah. like not only have you got a telling off but you're not allowed to hang out with your girlfriend anymore that's awful <laughs> so we get the introduction here of social services played fantastically the wonderful tilda swinton, swinton yeah 
and it, it like it's again it's another like Wes Anderson staple but I think it's used like really well in this film is the like use of split screen yes when they're on the phone the way it's, yeah, yeah and the, but it's the way it's edited because you get these like they kind of like the shots linger for like longer than the conversations go on for and you kind of like get a um yeah you get a look into like these people's mm-hmm. lives so like you kind of get like when she's telling them about like how he's going to have a, a le- yeah. electroshock treatment and they're kind of like that was the girl <laughs> yeah like, there's about, about the, the stabbing, about, like, stabbing yeah yeah, the yeah exactly and like when she's saying oh he'll go to a i can't remember what she calls it but basically like she gives a, a an orphanage like a really posh name a junior refuge yeah and you get like a a newspaper (laughs) don't you like a newspaper front page and it's got like a picture of all these kids like hundreds of kids sitting at tables looking thoroughly miserable and you're just like oh no yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's like don't send him there he doesn't deserve to be there like he just he just needs a he needs a friend he needs a family like he needs someone to look after him like, because all of the, like, because, yeah, um, Scout Master Ward and, um, you know, and the cop, they both fall in love with him, with this kid. Yeah. They think he's great and they don't want to see him sent away or unhappy. You know, they know what it's like to to be underappreciated and, and on their own and they, they want to take care of him. Um, so, yeah, they both fall in love with this kid and they desperately don't want him to go. And that, I think that's the loveliest thing as well, where you kind of, yeah, I just tried to push my glasses up my nose and I'm not wearing them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that's the loveliest thing is to see this kind of um, friendship happening between these adults yeah. and these kids. That's that's lovely because I don't think that happens enough. I think that, you know, parents being friendly and kind to kids um, is something that, again, it's it's been kind of demonized. It's been kind of like you can't be nice to a kid without wanting something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's that thing as well. Like, I don't know, like, so, like sometimes I'm like super aware of like my own presence, like around like ch- children. Yeah, but there's there's no reason like, for you to be. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. absolutely yeah, no yeah. reason for you to feel guilty or self conscious or aware because you're not you're yeah. not there to it's, do anything. You're just there around children. Um, it's like now now I've got a child. I'm like, oh yeah, like. I'm, I'm supposed like, to be here. Like, like I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not yeah. just not that I was hanging around exactly. in parks, like, before, <laughs> exactly. but like, it's that thing of like I don't know, sometimes like it's 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 like weird situations. Like you might be walking down the street and like a little kid like catches eyes. Yeah. yeah. Like catches eyes you might I don't know, they might think I've never seen a man with Yeah, a exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or I like your hat. And it's like Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like that thing of like there is like an element of you that wants to go like, hey, have a good day yeah. or something. And See, it's like, I, d- I just, I just like... do that with kids. Like I, I just <laughs> talk to them. Like I don't address the parents. I address the kids. Because a lot of the time, like, you know, I'll be wearing a silly T-shirt or like, I'll, you know, uh, like last summer I had silly color hair. So I had pink and purple hair. And like kids will look at you because they just, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you just, just waving, smiling, talking to them, just saying yeah. hello. Like I think that that's, yeah, it's something that we don't do enough. Do you know what I mean? Don't just, just you know, include kids in the conversation. Um, and, and yeah, there's a Scroobius Pip uh, lyric where he says, you know, not every man over the age of 35 who hangs out with a child is a paedophile. Some, sometimes people yeah. are just nice. And I think that's, you know, it's, it's yeah, this, that, yeah, this film that, does sum that up. That's my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
hang, yeah, like yeah. Even like with a kid and like in parks, like people like especially if he runs off, people are looking at me going, Who's this kid? <laughs> like, oh, I didn't steal one. him. Like he's mine. Yeah. I, I made I, him. I'm with the, I'm just the one with really prominent Greek <laughs> eyebrows. It's definitely my son. Um, Look at us. Yeah, exactly. So the treehouse scene, I think, is fantastic. And you kind of t- we touched on. It oh, when they're, they're having like... their their war, it's like their <laughs> war room, isn't it? It's like a little war room up in that yeah. treehouse. But you got that kid. He's like, yeah, he's got the um, he's got like a smoking kind of jacket, smoking <laughs> jacket on. They're all playing <laughs> yeah. cards and stuff like that. And like, I'm surprised they're not the smoking, bre- to be honest. Like it's the. Br- and then we get like the breakout, like so. Oh, like, the rescue! Get out of my chimney! They... <laughs> <laughs> so that that like that's something that's really interesting. Is like I was like, because I'm always fascinated like how stuff is filmed. And, like a, like that one was done. It's just horizontal. Yeah. Like oh, so yeah. it's so, it's, like, it's not it's not um it's, it's not, not a, a proper done. a proper chimney. Oh, okay, yeah. that's no, no, clever. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and it, I always find that quite funny because it's obviously like yeah. Jared Gilman would have been like just like laying on his side looking at and like, <laughs> yeah. there's that thing as well that obviously like he that like yeah like Wes Anderson's giving him like tips and stuff like that so you need to move like your head a bit more like this because you're actually supposed to be looking yeah. up to that's really clever like, I, I never would have known that unless you just said because yeah it does look like um, Redford's just down yeah. the chimney just shining a torch down the chimney and just yeah look at like little Sam just like get out of my chimney He's like, this is a rescue. And, and he's like, I don't want to be rescued. <laughs> there's that shot of the kids as they kind of like pass over at night. to. to it's lovely, them. isn't it? In the canoes. Yeah. <laughs> and they're being told about her cousin Ben. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> he's going to get him a job. He's going to he's going to get them a, like they're going to escape and be together. And cousin Ben's going to like smuggle them out on a on a ferry so that he can be a, like a He's got a cousin on a crab boat, hasn't he? And he's like, you can be a crab claw cracker. And he's like, it's better yeah, than electrotherapy. <laughs> but there's that brilliant line where, like, he, yeah, like, Sam asks, like, can, I, can we trust him? And he's like, usually I'd say no. But in this situation, like, <laughs> we're going to have to go with it. And that, that introduction we get to Jason Schwartz. <laughs> oh, when, my God, cousin he's Ben. That yeah, shop. he's like, if you want anything, you have to pay for it. If you don't have money, you can't have anything. Saying this to these tiny children, like it's like wartime. And he's like, you know, doing these deals, these underhand, under-the-counter deals with these tiny kids. And, he's just, and, and yeah, when he wants to keep the nickels, like, oh, my God, that's my feet. Like, it just, there's my favorite part of this entire film is when we meet cousin ben but also like the wedding part like it just it -hmm. cracks me up every single time and ben's got this amazing monologue um because yeah susie and um you know they they're talking that we want to get married and he's like oh he's like i i could officiate it and he's like do you want to get married and they go yes and he's like no think about this like do you want to get married and they're like yeah we do and he's like they're not listening to me okay you like but the, oh my there, god yeah. the monologue is like, i can't offer you a legally binding union it won't hold up in any state the country or frankly any courtroom in the world due to your age lack of license and failure to get parental consent but the ritual does carry a very important moral weight within yourselves you can't enter into a contract lightly look into my eyes do you love love each other they're like yes we do Think about what I'm saying. Are you sure you're ready for this? Yes, we are. And you're just like, no, you can't stop them. Like you've already set this ball rolling. Like you've already, you've already started it. 
And that's when he's just like, go and stand over by the trampoline and think about it. And it's like, it's so, it's just like, yeah, these tiny children standing by a trampoline while a kid bounces on it, talking about marriage. It's just like, it's amazing. And like when he does the, the ceremony, like the part where they, um, like they, they're, they're man and wife, these tiny kids, they're married um, for all intents and purposes. And they hold hands, they walk off in slow motion and it's fucking baller. This music, this amazing yeah. theme music starts, you know, the, the wonderful theme uh, of the film, which is yeah. wonderful. The music for this film is gorgeous. Um, it's, it's got this weird thing like the music, because obviously like it's got like a few uh, Andre Desplat songs, but then like there's the use of the Benjamin Britten and mm-hmm. there's obviously like a couple of like, like needle drops but yeah that that i think it's like the the andre the splat like kind of and they've all got like a weird title so i was looking up on like spotify and they they've all got like the same title oh, okay just different like versions part, of the same like, song yeah yeah it's called like music for motivation <laughs> or something like and it's like very like scout like yeah well like, it's got that whimsy to it hasn't it it's got that kind of yeah, yeah. this kind of very homemade kind of uh vibe to it and as well because like at the end of the film on the credits um sam introduces the piece of music like like at the beginning where the orchestra was introduced and like the the you know and then we introduce this instrument and then we bring in this yes. and sam does the same thing but with the theme of the film the 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 Moonrise Kingdom theme and he's going and now we bring in the piccolo and now there's the guitar and now the electric guitar and the banjo and like it's just it's fantastic like this amazing theme I, I think that might be the kid who plays Lionel, oh is it like I the, thought it was the, Sam the kid who has the record oh yeah. right okay yeah just just because like I think uh, he's got and like this is another thing so that kid is on the the, the director's comment right film. and there is a moment that is like possibly one of the most well dance <laughs> moments. They they get him to play like he plays he plays a Beethoven piece on the piano. Oh amazing. Like, in a commentary. <laughs> and he's just this kind of like the most Wes Anderson child <laughs> in is the Is he world. wearing a little like, yellow suit? Present. You have yeah, like I'd I can only assume <laughs> and then like the, the commentary is done that they call people who were like involved in the film or like are right. in the film. They just call them on the phone. So, like, they call up Bill Murray and let this kid <laughs> talk to them. And he goes, he goes, hey, Bill, it's Jake from Moonrise Kingdom. And, like, and like the introduction when he calls up um, Edward Norton, he's like, oh, hey, it's it's Jake yeah, from, yeah. from Moonrise Kingdom. And then um, well, it just says it's Jake. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. even say from Moonrise Kingdom. And then, like, Wes Anderson says to him, like, Oh, maybe you should say it's, it's Lionel. From, oh, from right, right, Kingdom. right. Cause, yeah. Because yeah, of course like, he's not going to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed Norton sounds quite di- uh, quite despondent, <laughs> and he's like, oh, I, I just didn't sound happier because you're not a khaki scout." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like it's not one of the kids he worked with. Because obviously, like, why would yeah. he have learned that kid's name, like, or or like remembered it so well? Yeah. And um, so with the thing with like cousin Ben, um. I obviously sent it to you beforehand, but had you seen that kind of like promo clip of like the film night they did? No. Like the kind of Cousin Ben film night. So it's this is like amazing. It's only like two yeah. minutes and can easily be used as like an in, almost like an introduction to the yeah. film. So it's like at Fort Lebanon, the kids having a having a film yeah. night and it's um it's Cousin Ben and it's this thing. It just makes me want to see more yeah because he's there like checking the kids and he's like hey hey hey, they milk duds he's like 
that's a, no outside contraband. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like moving. It's like, and he's like, you can buy jelly beans for 50 cents. And he's kind of got this is priceless. Yeah. Like, some, he's hustling these children. Turn, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, kids turn up late for the screening. And he's like, 1,600 hours means 1,600 <laughs> hours. And they're like, come on, please. And he's like, like looks around and says like well you can sit at the front <laughs> on the floor <laughs> he has got this like it's like i was saying earlier like these tiny children are kind of being treated like soldiers like it's yeah. it's just you know there's no there's no scout organization in the world that would be as strict with their kids as, as these ones are um but again it was the 60s so it's kind of like there really wasn't any room for like, you know, being kind to kids or being gentle with kids. It was kind of very regimented and kind of like, no, you know, this is the time. This is the thing. Um, but yeah, like Cousin Ben, like he could have a movie all to himself. Like it just, it, um, yeah, I, th I think, you know, him working for Harvey Keitel, like the main, the main Cocky Scout leader, like just, just on that camp. Like, yeah, I could watch days um, of that. Imagine like a sitcom, <laughs> yes. like kind of like Fort Lebanon, <laughs> like the sitcom where it's just. Like, and why is like, it called Fort Lebanon? Like it's just, yeah, no, it's no, just yeah. like it's got no no bearing, no explanation, no nothing. Like why Lebanon? It just cracks me I, up. I, I, I love I love all the stuff. Yeah, Fort Lebanon. Again, we get another like walk and talk. Yeah, he's kind of like talk talking to the kids and all the magic. Yeah, yeah. The background. The, the introduction of Harvey Keitel when you get so it's Wes Anderson's brother Eric. Oh, amazing! Like right yeah. hand man, the guy in the glasses. He's giving him a shave, um, isn't he? He's got a hot towel on his face. <laughs> he's like, when the kind oh. of correspondence comes through. Yeah, sorry, yeah. But, no, um, I, we're both really excited about it, so we both want to talk about it. Yeah. The 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 um Scoutmaster Ward has lost. All <laughs> he's of his lost trick. his whole truth. <laughs> and and Harvey Keitel's like first line like it's like when he holds like he delivers this line that i just love and it is like he's like who is this <laughs> 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 yeah. and he's got like this thing of like and then you get that but you just get all these shots of like when wards <laughs> like trying to get to port yeah. Lebanon real quick and you get almost like a mirror image of that scene earlier of him like exiting the tent of his yeah like, and his, well, his cigarette is always like too yeah because <laughs> yeah, he's just well. smoking and all like, the so time he's been, yeah he's been hot boxing <laughs> his tent he's gonna come out he's again he's reading indian he's like at the table reading <laughs> oh wow well, you corn. have an indian corn magazine <laughs> <laughs> you know that scene as well because he sits down and he's like starts reading his magazine and he looks around at an empty table which usually has around 20 kids at it and he's just like who's missing and it's like everyone like everyone's missing how did you get to this point without realizing that there was 20 kids missing from your camp just amazing like yeah he's just and like when he he gets his uh, patch ripped off him like he gets demoted oh, <gasps> it's, it's heartbreaking oh. and then like cuz like just before and this like this is another thing just to, like the how this film is put together it goes down to like the 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 attention to detail yeah. in this film you know like the when the boat leaves the harbor when uh, yeah. um and and it kind of just like comes straight yeah. back is they they had like a kind of winch and pulley system like around like a jet wow. so they could just like pull the boat so it just went in that in a, like, in a circle in just in that straight line as well because obviously like a Wes Anderson and it like watching it kind of because I've watched it maybe like twice yeah. in the last two weeks three times like with the the commentary uh, but like 
there's like the 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 thing of like you look at scenes and go like how long did that take like i i, I think to that moment when the kind of like uh the showdown has happened between sam and susie and yeah the scout, and that like the kids start like running down the <laughs> hill and you <laughs> can just imagine where's anderson being like the symmetry's off yeah. guys you can't like, you can't run around that rock you're gonna have to come around the other way yeah exactly it doesn't work again. it Let's doesn't work yeah. You, yeah, you, yeah. you've got to come down this way you've got to go that way like it's got to work out it's got to be abstract you know what i mean but yeah it's definitely oh god that scene with poor snoopy the dog with an arrow in him yeah. and he's like was he a good dog and he goes who's to say yeah uh, this again like the script it's stunning and... absolutely stunning it's... It's great. And I know that yeah, Wes Anderson and Roman Coppola kind of like drew upon their own lives. And one of the things that I found really interesting is the bullhorn. <laughs> yeah, because like, apparently uh, that was from their life, wasn't it? Their mum would call them to dinner yeah. with a bullhorn. And it, yeah, like the big, the biggest question, the biggest question I have right? is like, how big was your house? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, if someone had to call you with a bullhorn to dinner, like, how many rooms away were you? Do you know what I mean? Or did your mum just really like the sound of her own voice? Yeah, that or like, I guess, like just being on film sets all the time. <laughs> yeah. it's probably like, well, this is like, this is handy. Yeah. Like, it, like, it manages to work on a film set. Yeah. Like, and like, let's train them early. Do you know what I mean? Let's get them used to like hearing yeah. bullhorns. Authoritative, like like, useful. Yeah, <laughs> get the bullhorn in. But yeah, and, and you know, mom kind of leans out the window and shouts up to Mr. Bishop, doesn't she? And she's just like, are you yeah. concerned that your daughter's missing? And he's like, that's a loaded question. <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, yeah, let's talk about like, how this film kind of wraps. Yeah. Up. So we get Sam, he goes to, which like, again, I only picked up on this watch. He goes to a conveniently named area called the Lightning Field. <laughs> where he gets <laughs> struck by lightning as we kind of get the, the and the nickels go flying yeah 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 the narrator stepped back in saying like this is the point where like the storm yeah. is getting to breaking point we get like Bob the, Balaban coming again, in with his weather report and we get like the miniatures of like Camp Lebanon with the kind of like totem yeah and the dam breaks the doesn't it as well and yeah yeah after that scene that amazing scene of like the kids in kind of silhouette running yeah. the bridge. I, I love, I, I love it. Like the detail, this, uh, like you were saying, yeah. like the miniatures, the attention to detail, like the work that went into it, that you can certainly see where he kind of evolved into, um, you know, your fantastic Mr. Foxes and your and your Isle of Dogs and and you know that stop motion because obviously like he loves using miniatures, so like you can see their influence. Um, in this. Well, this is his first film post. Yes, I always forget Fantastic, Fantastic Mr. Fox was before. So I think, like, yeah, because as well, you've got like you've got the kids dressed up as animals as well, and the kind of the mm -hmm. way they yeah. move is very reflective of the way the the uh, stop motion moved in Fantastic Mr. Fox as well. Yeah. Well, I think you can kind of like you can tell that like this is his next film after yeah. that. Because, yeah, yeah, like, very much. That kind of like, I don't know, like very tight, like watch, like very meticulous detail. Yeah, that, that, that is in this tiny film. detail. And like, yeah, yeah, and it's like the, but like, and I think it really adds to it. Yeah, and like Wes Anderson says on the commentary that like the thing he learned the most from doing animation is like just to like prep more basically yeah. and kind of like like 
because he said, like, in an animated film, you basically have to make the, like, know what the film is before you do anything. Right. Like, especially with, like, stop animation. Like, you need to know every frame Yeah, 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 of, of course. Before it's you such a massive endeavour. You know I mean? Like, there's no way you can go yeah. into that blind. Like, you, you certainly know. You have, I, I mean, I'd imagine I've never made a stop motion film, but um, it's, a, it's a medium that I'm very much in love with as an animation style mm -hmm. i just i think it's it's such an art form and i think it's criminally underappreciated um so yeah when you see something as glorious as fantastic mr fox like the amount of man hours that went into that you know and, yeah. and woman hours people hours um but yeah <laughs> like the the planning the other day i was watching a tiny little snippet of um a, a jumper being knitted with two sewing needles for coraline so mm -hmm. like so so yeah, literally needles were being used as knitting needles, and and they were yeah. knitting with cotton. They were knitting a jumper for Coraline because it had to be so small, and it was like it. So you hand knitted Coraline's tiny jumpers. Like that's fucking batshit, isn't it? Like that's that's absolutely <laughs> bananas. Um, I, I I feel like there's a song in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Well, I'm pretty sure it's in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Is that like Davy Crockett song? Oh, um, like, with uh, Joe Joe Cocker. Yeah, it was like Davy Davy Crockett, and it's like that could have like you know that like he's kind of like shot himself in the foot with that one because he's like I had a kid in a Davy Crockett <laughs> hat in the next one because you, know, you imagine like yeah. I just have this like thing of um, Wes Anderson kind of like pulling his vinyl collection yeah. out and like dust. Dusting them off, going like, oh, what, what song am I going <laughs> to use in this film? Or like, what, um, what French like? Well, yeah, because the the French that, song like, that they're dancing to, like, that's that's very cool, isn't it? That's that's very yeah, cool tune. That kind of, um, so yeah, the way this kind of uh, film wraps up, and one one thing I want to mention as well, I just find like the imagery really funny is, um, when, uh, these like scout leader, so Harvey Keitel's character is on uh scoutmaster yeah wes anderson like was like oh do you reckon you could run the <laughs> hotel on your back to ed norton he's like no, no. Like, like that's a mad idea <laughs> What if you drop so, him what if you're the person who drops harvey <laughs> Keitel? like that would be awful well wes anderson took it upon himself to create a harvey Keitel backpack <laughs> that he would wear like yoda so, like it <laughs> yeah, so in those shots, when obviously when you can't yeah. see his face, so like when he's static, it is Harvey <laughs> Keitel. But in the moments when he's kind of like, and like when you watch it again, keep that in mind. Yeah, I like will. Listening to keep that in mind because there's just like this. I, I just think it's really that's like, amazing. Seeing like the wire work of Ed Norton. Yeah, yeah, when, when he's he jumping over the, the over the flooding yeah, river. Just, yeah. Again, that comes from that imagery. Definitely comes from like. Animation. yeah yeah of it's course like, there yeah. are moments in this that are just beautifully like God, it's just, and it's like a wes anderson i think was going in that direction but i think like it's nice to see like the kind of the snake eating yeah. its own tail of like his his style like his style beforehand was like animation like it's going towards animation does an animated film and then it's like well what can we take yeah yeah and knitting them and both together the yeah of, exactly yeah, and i think yeah. yeah he was definitely influenced by that that kind of style of filmmaking and he's definitely brought it in um but yeah the, the kind of i'm so glad that this film has a happy ending i'm so glad that this film's ending is so happy and sweet and um yeah the, the 
the ending to this, like the, the so the the scene the thing that the in the like uh, church at the end and the especially that stuff on the roof. It's be- it's perilous. I don't, I don't know what it is, but like when they're kind of like trying to figure out what is going on like what is going to happen with yeah Sarah. it's and frantic when, isn't it when captain sharp is like talking about adopting him and you kind of like the the bishop parents finally come together where because they're, they're both like lawyers yeah 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 and they're, and they're giving him legal yeah, advice yeah yeah exactly yeah it's just it's such a lovely thing is and then you know even though the bishop's you know they're angry at Sam because he's kind of he's one of your beige lunatics has kidnapped my daughter. Um, <laughs> you know they can still see that he doesn't deserve to go to you know to go live in an orphanage. He doesn't deserve to go get electroshock therapy. Like he's just a kid, you know. So it's kind of all is forgiven. They're just desperately trying to keep him away from social services. Um, so yeah, they they're kind of they're saying you know, do you want to? do you want to be adopted? And he's kind of like, yeah. And it, and, and as soon as that happens, it's just like, everybody stand down. Everything is fine. Cause they're literally just inches away from jumping off a roof into a, into a like flooded graveyard. And you're just like, no, 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 please don't get hurt. And it kind of, it does, <laughs> it kind of, yeah, it goes back to being dangerous. Um, but then as soon as that happens, lightning strikes the church and they fall off and they're all just hanging by the, like a rope, aren't they? <laughs> like you got, you Yeah, got... that beautiful kind of silhouette Yeah, you get, look, just kind of reminds me of like the opening to something like Peter Pan. It is a bit, yeah, yeah. Like the silhouette of like London. Because it's, it's kind on of a like, turret, yeah, isn't it? All, like on it. A... Yeah, all, all black and then you've got like the blue sky. It just looked like the dark blue. It just looks it beautiful. It's gorgeous. Like, that that moment i don't know what it is it's just kind of like the overwhelming of like emotions in that moment of like all the characters i just found myself like i was like, oh, God, I was like getting oh. emotional like, yeah is oh yeah i was like i was like why am i why am i crying like, oh because it's lovely because it's overwhelmingly <laughs> yeah, lovely you know like sam is sam and susie are even more you know in love because they're 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 basically essentially planning on jumping off a roof together because they don't want to be separated, which is like, and, and you know, when you're 12 years old and somebody's just like, this is the end, like this is the end of the line when yeah. you're 12 years old, like that's world ending, isn't it? And you can't be with the person you love and you hate everything and you, and you, you don't know how to get a way out. And it's just like, yeah, you don't want these kids to be hurt. And then to see this overwhelming concern and love for them by this little community that's kind of written him off. Do you know what I mean? That's that's all coming together to to give Sam a home Um, because it's lovely. Yeah. And it's, you know, to have Sam have a place, you know, and yeah, he doesn't he doesn't Um, want to be a khaki skirt anymore. But the next time we see him, he's got like a little police outfit on. He's got like a little police uniform. That that just kills me. Just kills me. the end of this as well and like when you when when it, you get that reveal that the paint because you obviously think he's doing like a painting of, of Susie. Uh, Susie well he mainly Susie he mainly does landscapes and nudes which cracks me <laughs> off as well because it's like <laughs> did she sit for these like and obviously she didn't he's been nowhere near her and like the nudes that he's painted it's like a girl it's quite an arty shot of a girl standing not standing in a bath but kind of climbing out of a bath so it's like 
Or yeah, in, so yeah, it's like it's like, not yeah, sexual. Like a, like a yeah, it's it's like it's not a sexual <laughs> thing. It's actually quite artistic. Like it's the composition's lovely. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, like character, like proper. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like an a, art lesson. Or a girl on a swing. Yeah, as well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's it's how you would study painting rather than just you know mm-hmm. a stick figure with tits, like as most kids would draw. <laughs> um, <laughs> has she sat for these? No. Um, but yeah, he's, he's painting their little Moonrise Kingdom because yeah, we don't actually get the name because Susie's lying there on on the beach, isn't she? On the blanket, and she's yeah. got her head on her hand in a very arty pose whilst he paints her, sitting with the cat with the kitten. Um, and she says, "I don't like the name of this place. I, it doesn't suit it. I want to change it." And like you know, he says, "What should we call it?" And she says, "I don't know. Let me think about it." And we never hear it. Um, until right at the end when we can see he's painted it and they've kind of, you know, they, they, it's their little Moonrise Kingdom. So, so obviously, like, yeah, so the title of that place is Mile 3.25 Tidal Inlet. <laughs> and we get that thing from Bob Balaban where he says, like, that was destroyed in the flood. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not like, there anymore. Th- that says, like, something... I think that just that line says something about this. You can never go back. Kind of like, yeah, that kind of like destruction of like not youth as such, but like something has happened. Something's changed. It, yeah, yeah, it, it is one of those films where it's like, do you know what I mean like I don't know, like you'd get like the Sandlot Kids or something like that, where it's like that one summer as a kid that like changed. <laughs> Like, yeah like, well it, like it, what what bob balaban says as well his character he was saying you know it yes that little cove did get flooded um and it's not there anymore but <laughs> he was like and you know most of the island was destroyed like in the in the storm because you see like the bumper cars on the beach where they've been blown off the mm-hmm. the the pier um but he says the crops that year were extraordinary the crops the year after were extraordinary so like yeah. out of all this destruction something beautiful grew and i think that's that's like a lovely symbolism isn't it that's kind of you know because now sam and um susie can hang out together and they can mm-hmm. they can see each other because yeah you know the last thing he says to her is see you tomorrow and she blows him a kiss and it's just it's lovely it's absolutely gorgeous yeah, again, again i'd like that, that kind of I think the reason this film, especially that end bit, gets me is, and I think it's a thing that's throughout a lot of Wes Anderson films. There's it's very much this through line. Like I, I mentioned, I flippantly remarked on the thing that, like, there's a, like the daddy mm. tunes in Wes Anderson films, but I think there's very much this thing of like people looking for family, and it's people who kind of like feel like they've been like done a disservice by mm-hmm. the world, whether rightfully or not rightfully like so but a lot of the time it's like that thing and like sam and like i've, I've yeah I've, I've said it plenty of times in this podcast but like my dad like left when i was very young and it's that thing like i i kind of understand that thing of like not obviously like my mum has been there the yeah. whole time but like in that like father son like that yeah especially that paternal relationship i very much relate to that whole thing of like looking yeah for paternal figures and it's like that thing of like and it's i don't know there's so much going on yeah with so I was, like, I was like oh i'm at like I, I think of like my own son when he's like sam's age and yeah it's like will i will i be mr bishop nah like, you know, like, who, who, <laughs> of course who, you who won't like scout master ward just like, <laughs> <on again>, yeah. <laughs> 
giving him a motorbike. I mean, you know, there's there's something to be said for that too, I think. You know, a healthy amount of disregard for health and safety is quite important when you're growing up. Um, no, like, you know how to talk about your emotions and, you know, you're a compassionate human mm-hmm. being. You're definitely not going to be that kind of dad. Um, no, I'm I'm very much the same. Like, my, my parents divorced when I was very young, when I was four. Um, and I, I never met my dad until I was 22. Um, and yeah, that was, so when I was young, again, it was that kind of like these, cause it's a very popular theme in films, especially over the past, like I'd say over the past 20 years. Um, but family is what you make of it. You know, family is where you find it. Um, and yeah, it's become a very popular theme. And I think it was just starting to come out like, yeah, in the nineties, this was kind of becoming a theme. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I, I felt that quite keenly as well. Like that kind of idea that you are searching for your place in the world and you kind of, you know, you know who your family is, but you know, you don't know who you are quite yet. And it's just, you know, they're very strong feelings, especially when you're, you're a kid, like you, you don't always know where you belong or who you are yet. And you, you know, so many of us go through those kind of tween years, just desperately trying to establish ourselves and kind of go like, this is who I am. I'm an individual. I might look mm-hmm. like everybody else, but, you know, I, I might dress like this because <laughs> like, I went through like all the phases. I was a goth and I was a skater and I was a punk and I was a hippie. And, you know, I, you know, I, I basically looked like a jumble sale had exploded in a skate shop. <laughs> that's what I looked like. Um, but I was trying to find my tribe, you know, I was trying to find my, I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that anymore. I don't know if that's offensive anymore. I was trying to find my people. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and yeah, it just, I think that that's such a strong feeling. And, and when you do find out that actually grown ups are people too, and that they do understand and they do care, like that's, that's a huge thing, isn't it? When you realize that you can have yeah. grown ups on your side and they do want the best for you. Like that's massive. Ooh. Well, I think this film very much like shows you that even the grown-ups don't know what the fuck. Oh yeah, that's about. the biggest secret. That's the biggest secret for grown-ups because yeah. like they they tell you that they know what's best for you. They tell you that they that they know what's going on, and actually they're just winging it. Like <laughs> they're just yeah. yeah. That that is like the kind of that is like I think like one of the biggest apart from the fact that this is just like it's fun. It's kind of like it's an exciting film. It's like it's got it's got a nice message. You don't have it. It doesn't ram no. it down your throat in any way, but you can you can very much take away a message from this film. Um, so earlier we spoke about the Coppola winery, which brings me well, it doesn't bring me <laughs> on neatly because it's, it's a massive, it's a leap, it's a, it's a leap, it's a yeah, it's, leap it's, of it's, faith. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a real reach. If we were playing like, Assassin's and, Creed, there would be an eagle <laughs> noise right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, so. Um, what would be, yeah, the arbitrary scoring system on this show is what would be a perfect wine pairing for this film? Well, I'm teetotal. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm not the best judge. I haven't drunk wine in a very long time. Um, but I do think that because it's a Wes Anderson film, it would definitely have to be something that's very golden in colour. Like, I think you would have mm-hmm. to go with something quite um, not too sweet. I think it would have to have like a hint of sharpness in there, like a summery white, like not not quite mm-hmm. a Sauvignon. I think that's too light. I think you need something like a digestif, like almost something like a maybe even a <laughs> limoncello. That would be amazing if you could. I know I know nice. you can't yeah. get limoncello on the on the Coppola winery. But yeah, it just I feel like that that would no, be a good no, no. pairing, well, like a limoncello. Like, yeah. 
my 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 choice like subverts the whole thing of wine. Well, it is wine. It's just cheap red wine and Coca Cola. Because <laughs> I think that this this it's it's like a. I've never heard of that before. I, so it's like a thing that a lot of people I know in like South Africa. Oh, wow. Um, like teenage kids, it's like an entry ah, level bo- booze nice. drink for like when you're kind nice. of when you're young because it's like parents got red wine and it's like red wines it's an acquired taste isn't it kids don't instantly like the taste of red wine so if you can sweeten it up with coca-cola i can yeah i can see how that will work so that my my reasoning for that is like like this film like it's kind of got you've got that sweetness from the story of sam and susie but then there very much is them kind of like deeper richer themes like under yeah that would be very much like the red wine and i'm not saying it has to be not like, even expensive yeah, red like, wine <laughs> expensive red wine because 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 this, this is kids that's the yeah they're that's gonna, the kind of drink that you would kind of you'd steal the red wine from your your mum and dad's uh cabinet wouldn't you and then you'd go from their yeah, box. yeah yeah do you know what i mean you'd put it into a water yep. bottle from that from make their, it a really manky color yeah for the for the for the for the, uh, <laughs> for the goon sacks for the Australian get your crazy lifters. straw yeah, so yeah exactly exactly and then and yeah, then pretend and then to be grown up Coca-Cola. yeah and um so aka is this film good or bad how much would you pay for that bottle of wine oh so I mean it's definitely top of the list wine isn't it it's definitely wine mm-hmm. from the top of the list. You're turning over the page yeah. when you're in the restaurant. You're, not, just, you're not looking <laughs> in that first sex for house. Yeah, exactly. Going, like, well, I want the stuff with exactly, dust on it. Not quite dust. I mean, <laughs> nobody's that rich. Do you know what I mean? But like, definitely something that's been on the shelf a long time. You know, definitely something that's been kept in the dark and cared for. Like maybe a 10-year bottle. Perfect. Not quite. Do you know what I mean? Like a good, a good nice vintage. That's a solid yeah, a solid one. Um, so would you recommend? people watch if they have oh already, definitely without you... a doubt like i think i think that this is this film is funny and sweet and warm and um and very accessible as well i don't think you have to be a wes anderson fan to watch it and you don't you don't uh you know you don't really have to know about wes anderson either um i you know and i i would definitely recommend him as a director as we were saying before like sometimes there are problems with it like there's no people of color <laughs> there's an egregious use of you know native american headdresses um but yeah like he is a very good director and a very good storyteller and you know i think that this is a good entry point um for for his films um but yeah of course I'd, of course i'd recommend it i think everyone should watch it i love it perfect well that's mine and Jeanette's chat wrapped up on moonrise kingdom now just yeah a a couple more a a few more questions just to kind of like really find out are the copplers the greatest family of all time but before we do that did you find any like weird coppola connections with this film bar the obvious two um what the the roman and and jason Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, did I find any weird couple of connections? Um, no, no, I didn't. And I just, I feel like, because I mean, Wes Anderson is the honorary Coppola, right? He is, he is essentially. Yeah, he's pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, he goes to those Christmas dinners that we were talking about earlier. Like, Wes is like, Wes is definitely invited to family functions. <laughs> he comes to weddings and big parties and, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that stuff. Um. 
So yeah, I think uh, yeah, I I just find that was the that was the funnest one where you're just like, oh, so like you run with the pack, do you? Like you you run with yeah. the copolas, um, which is pretty so, that's pretty big deal, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Throughout this podcast, obviously, I will be talking about so many uh, people that had involvement in this film, whether it's uh, Robert Yeoman, who is the DOP, who also DOP'd Roman Coppola's film QC, and um, just one like kind of connection that links back to Nicolas Cage is Bob Balaban is in the terrible <laughs> race relations comedy Amos and Andrew, which I would avoid <laughs> with a, t- t- a ten-foot pole. It may be inclusive of people of colour, but it doesn't do anything oh, for the Oh, no. For sure. That it's, sounds uh, terrible. It's heggy. <laughs> um, so, what, like, which Coppola family member would you keep? But in doing so, Jeanette, you have to get rid of the filmography. <gasps> Of every other family. Well, that's not fair. Like, that's that seems like that's that's a huge <laughs> question. They've made so many films. Like you couldn't you couldn't just like, oh man. You got to pick one. I've got to pick, pick one Coppola one. to keep. One to keep the rest. Of, the rest. Well, it's big. Got to be Big Daddy Mac Francis, hasn't it? You keep in Francis, even though you hate The Godfather. I mean, you've got to think about all the other films that he's made and kind of the impact that that's had on cinema as a whole, you know? You kind of, it's, it's without him, like, you know, you wouldn't have, um, you know, other directors that have been influenced by him. You wouldn't have people aping his mm-hmm. style. You wouldn't have, I think, I think he's had such a massive influence on cinema that you... There's an argument you have no Star Wars without Frank. Hell yeah. Because his involvement with, uh, George yeah. Lucas, and even like so, George Lucas won a competition essentially to go on set at Warner Brothers. Met Francis Ford Coppola, who went, "Who's this weird, <laughs> skinny little kid with, with the glasses? strange Kermit the Frog voice?" And then, and then got him like basically like pushed him into like making THX. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. American Graffiti. Exactly, and, and then, then you've like... got Ron Howard, who goes on from American Graffiti. Like yeah. it's it's <laughs> the the connections are endless, and when you've got a dynasty that big, you know, it is like if you don't have that linchpin at the beginning, like the knock on effect, you know, it it's massive. Yeah. So like, yeah, while I'm not a big fan of The Godfather, um, I think it would be unfair of me to to get rid of him. And plus, like, um. Oh, Dracula, like Bram Stoker's Dracula is 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 one of my favorite vampire films of all time. And, and you know, it made me Amazing. fall in love with um, Gary Oldman. Um, a little 13 year old Jeanette was completely besotted <laughs> um, and just watched that film, you know, on repeat for quite some time. Um, you know, and, and my film taste wouldn't have been so influenced without that film as well i think that kind of did Amazing. did imprint me on quite a young age so yeah i think it would be i think it would be uh yeah silly of me to to get rid of the big daddy mac the big og perfect well, thank, thank you for being so like unselfish and doing this service to the world to the like, world yeah as opposed to going i you know what I really like this this thing. one film. Like yeah, exactly. Film. I think you have to think about it in the wider in the wider thing. Yeah, totally. 
amazing so yeah i uh, i love i love hearing all of these answers <laughs> and interpretations to these questions that uh, week in week out i'm kind of like it's got me thinking a lot of the time as well like and I, I feel like a real arsehole <laughs> i'm asking this question week in week out it like, is a big question I, that's a big question yeah it's like i'm, I'm not gonna answer it either guys no, no, are you no. not are you not gonna tell um, anybody what you think you're gonna do it on the last one Maybe, yeah. On my deathbed, I'm going to have like, a, a, a Wes Anderson-style written note. I'm going to have like this, yeah, like a, a really like, I don't know, yeah, Wes Anderson like, embossed envelope <laughs> note that has to be read. Do you know what I mean? Some, some weird instructions like back to the future. Don't open this do box like, until, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, our the coppola's the greatest film family of all time again that's a very big question um <laughs> i think they're definitely one of the most successful film families of all time for sure and i don't know whether or not that makes them the greatest or not but i definitely think that again like their impact has been enormous on filmmaking in america mm -hmm. and uh you know and and i'm sure in the wider world as well i think you know coppola is one of those directors that is studied um in film school um you know and yeah many of their films are kind of held up as kind of you know things to be um to, to learn lessons of filmmaking from so yeah i would say that you know oh i've completely lost my point yeah so i don't <laughs> sorry i my brain short-circuited no, 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 no. uh, but yeah i don't i don't know if they're if they're the if they're the greatest but they're definitely the most successful and i think that goes uh, quite a long way to securing greatness doesn't it if you're if you're good at what you do and you keep doing it and you keep making amazing art i think that that does uh, yeah that that does secure your dynasty for sure on a who are your personal favorite film family then are you are you you a baldwin fan are you an arquette fan are you uh, a houston fan uh, i don't know i mean the arquettes are pretty cool aren't they like the baldwins like let's mm -hmm. face it there's only one good one let's face it like there's only alec potato no baldwin, there's weasel yeah. um, on our podcast yeah there's potato baldwin weasel baldwin alec baldwin um yeah, there's only one. There's only one good one. There's only Alec, really. The Baldwins are kind of like they've yes. they've kind of shot themselves in the foot, really, by all being assholes apart from that one guy, um, who's hilarious. Like I love Alec Baldwin. <laughs> um, yeah, it is hard actually. It is hard to kind of look at an acting family like that and kind of. Um, I think I think the Gillen the Gillenhalls are, are definitely one of my favourites. Oh, uh, yeah. Both of them, yeah, yeah both of them are amazing actors um they both do amazing work and they both do really interesting work as well and uh you know their dad was a director their mom's a writer and um, they're a really fascinating little family when it comes to um you know creating as creatives sorry um but yeah the gillenors are definitely like up there for me i think they're pretty cool perfect my, my next my next podcast <gasps> uh all, all of Gyllenhaal. That yeah, would be amazing. That, 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 that would be great. He's got such an interesting <laughs> filmography. Like that would be really cool. Actually, I've just um I've just listened to his interview with Mark Marin on the WTF podcast. It's very yeah, good. Too. Very very good. Yes. Yeah. So uh, possibly the hardest. Oh no. Of the entire bunch <laughs> is what does Bill Murray say to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation? It's a, that's kind of oh man you could debate that to the end of time couldn't you 
<laughs> could basically be like I farted in your suitcase. It could be anything. Like I, I think, I think it's. I definitely. I'm taking that as your answer. <laughs> no, no, I mean, that was a debate. It wasn't the answer. No, I think he says something sweet. I think he says something sweet, like you know, um, I think you're beautiful, or I think you're wonderful, or you know, I, I just, I, I think it's something very sweet and very kind, um, or you know, maybe something like your boyfriend doesn't know what he's got. You know, I think I think it's something just to make her feel good, to make her feel happy yes. and to make her feel, um, yeah, make her feel less alone. I think that's definitely, you know, to let her know that she's got a friend. Well, that's, a, a, yeah, a lovely, beautiful answer <laughs> and a perfect place to, to end the podcast. Uh, before I let you go, though, where can people keep up to date with everything you're doing uh, in regards to Sudden Double Deep? And, yeah, like... If people aren't listening to it, I'm going to jump in here and say, listen <laughs> to Deep, guys, because it it's, it's a fantastic podcast, not only because they were gracious enough to let me uh, take up some of their time to talk about some Nicholas Cage. Oh, uh, mate, let you. Just, You're coming back <laughs> as soon as we can. <laughs> Amazing. Well, um, yeah, where can people uh, keep up to date? Where can they find yeah. Um, so, yeah, I am a, a co-host on the Sudden Double Deep podcast. So we are the triple word title podcast. So we um, each week we listen to, we review uh, three films linked by a word in the title. Um, so, yeah, what have we um, what have we just done? See, I don't know when this is coming out, so I don't know if I'm going to spoil anything. Um, but, yeah, for our first episode, we did um, Sudden Impact, Deep Impact, Double Impact. Uh, so yeah, we, we talk, we talk about these films. We talk about if we, you know, there's any links between them. We talk about if we like them, if we didn't like them, we, we waffle quite a lot. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. usually we, we try and, uh, spread it out between different decades and different genres. Um, and yeah, we try and get as much world cinema in there as we can. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you can find us at sudden double deep, um, no, SDD Film Podcast. I'm so sorry. I've only been doing this for five years. <laughs> um, you can find at uh, find us on Twitter at SDD um, Film Podcast, which is, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Let me just check because my husband will murder me if I get the wrong tag on Instagram uh, or or on no Twitter. Worries, I will be, I will, I will buy, uh, I will surely be, uh, I will definitely at be putting... At the links, the, the yeah. Links so at SDD Film Podcast. So um, behind that, you will find my husband, Daryl, lurking. Um, so, yeah, he's <laughs> the one when you're talking to SDD Film Podcast, you're talking to him. You can find me on Twitter at Miss J Soundtrack. Uh, and you can find my other amazing co-host, Matt Brothers. You can find him at Matt Brothers too. Um, at, yeah. As, as you guys would say, here's a little sizzle <gasps> for you. Sizzle. Matt. Both. Matt and Daryl will be coming to talk a couple of couple they of will. with me in the near future. I think uh, Matt is one of the oh, I'm giving you real, real, real little sister <gasps> here, guys. That he's the one of the first confirmed dub like double. Oh, nice! Uh, on on Coppola Connections, uh, you will hear what films he will be talking about in due time very exciting well, sorry it's at matt brothers too <laughs> sorry i just call him bruvs at my matt, at matt brothers too <laughs> on twitter as well so you can find him on there well jeanette thank you so much 
for coming and making some couple of connections with me. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to my waffle. It's been an absolute joy talking about this film. I love it so much. So thank you for inviting me to come on and talk about it. A massive thank you once again to Jeanette for joining me on this episode and thank you very much for listening. If you feel that me and Jeanette missed anything, if there's any stone that we left unturned, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can do so via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Letterboxd, all at CagedInPod. Or you can always drop me an email, which is CagedInPod at gmail.com. Before we discuss what's coming up on next week's episode of the podcast, later on today at midday, you'll be able to hear my conversation with Sam Shikuski himself. That's right, the actor, Jared Gilman, talking about what it was like to work with Wes Anderson, this bevy of an amazing talent that is the cast, and of course, what it was like to work with not one, but two Coppola family members. As for next week's episode, I'll be joined by Freudian cinephile, lecturer and podcast host Mary Wilde to talk about Sophia Coppola's fourth directorial effort, Somewhere. If you aren't already, be sure to check out the Breadcrumbs Collective for a bevy of other great podcasts, including the Podchild Cinecast, a Drip Town Lemony Main, and soon-to-be new podcast franchise, as well as the anti-podcast breadcrumbs itself which you can easily find at breadcrumbscollective.com if you enjoyed this episode please do be sure to rate review subscribe on acast apple podcast or whichever podcast platform you're listening to this on right now this is all very much a labor of love and all that stuff really does help i'd love to hear which is your favorite couple of film who's your favorite couple of family member or what do you think that bill murray says Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation. As ever, I've been Petrus Patsilovus, your guide through the crazy world of the Coppola family tree. So make sure you keep it Coppola, and I'll catch you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Drip Town Limery Main, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.